Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Jeremy White. It seems like for those of you that had old Nintendos, you pull the cartridge out, you blow in it, and you put it back in. Like... See yes. if this works. Yeah. And Sneaky Joe DiBiase. The PlayStation 2 memory cards were the same thing for me. It, it did somehow always work. You never had a regular Nintendo, Josh. No, I did. My you... first my first game system no. was a GameCube. Old? What was I thinking? I ain't old. The GameCube was not regular <laughs> Nintendo. I'm talking about the actual first Nintendo. Boy, I can teach you guys some things about video games. I'm going to give you a phrase. You tell me if it means anything to you. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, VA, start. We're not so different. You and I. Let me let me ask you if this brings anything to mind. Wave dashing. No. Okay. See? What's that? Different times. Smash Bros. You're listening to Jeremy and Joe on Western New York Sports Giant. WGR Sports Radio 550. Hi. Morning. A high of 51 coming your way today. Nice. 51 degrees. Yeah. Can't beat that for uh, early February. 50- Punxsutawney Phil might have been onto something. 53 tomorrow. Next Friday, low of 22. Mm-hmm. You're kind of dipping right back into the colder temps. That's all right. You should, you should be trusting that groundhog. He said spring was coming, and here we go. 50s. Perfect. When do they judge if he was, like, right? Like, how long do they I don't they think they it? ever... They never follow up. They, they ever go, yeah, look at the you know, receipts. You know what they do? It's the same thing as people that say that a team had momentum during a game. Mm-hmm. It's just like, in the moment, you just make an exclamation. And then you just forget a, about it. A proclamation, <laughs> and then when the game ends, like, doesn't matter what you said. Yeah. The game ended. Is Punxsutawney Phil, like, on display somewhere, like, during the year when it's not Groundhog Day? Now, this is a question. Is there an exhibit, is what you're saying? Or yeah, do they just yeah. let them out in the wild? They definitely don't do that. They could do, do that. They, it could well, be, they could have a tracker. Yeah, it could be tagged. In the, and then what, a yearly, they go hunt him down and get him get him back well, just for the ceremony? I'm, I'm 604, I'm about to Google what a groundhog's area is that they normally cover. I feel like groundhogs... It's probably in the ground. Right? Well, I just, I just mean... You know, a lion might patrol 12 square miles. A polar bear has 60 miles. A groundhog's probably like, what, like a football field? They keep him at a zoo in Punxsutawney. There okay. you go. Zoo. So they're not releasing this guy into the wild so that he's at risk. Like, hey, guys, uh, someone checks in. The mayor checks in a month before. He's like, so we we're going we gonna to go round up Punxsutawney? Yeah, Mr. Mayor, here's the thing. I think a hawk got to him. He broke container. Um, <laughs> and he's no longer with us. Like, you can't you can't do that. There are mountain lions out there. A hawk. I guess so. Groundhogs top out at about like fifteen pounds. 
Unless maybe you're Phil, who was, you know, living the good life. <laughs> right. He gets everything he needs. Yeah. I don't know if there's mountain Strawberries lions. Strawberries fed to him. Mountain lions in Pennsylvania might be a bit... There's no mountain lions in Pennsylvania? I mean, Penn State is the Nittany Lions. Oh, that's true. There's, there's, I don't know. I was gonna, <laughs> what's a Nittany lion? Do I have to make a distinction there? Are there mountain lions in Pennsylvania? There are mountain lions everywhere, aren't yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, there's mountain lions. There's oh, everything. I don't know. Not everything. There's not real lions. They're considered extinct in Pennsylvania. Wow, really? What's a Nittany lion then? Great question. Did they name did they name the football team after an extinct animal? Because that's not cool. Eh, you know, it's fine. Uh, it's Mount Nittany. There used to be. So there you go. The Nittany lions. So Mount the Nittany. team is named after mountain lions, but they, there are no mountain lions. Okay. It might just might be more like a Nittany lions, kind of like a Red Raider. You're just you're the lions. Yeah. From this area, you're mm-hmm. the Nittany lions. Right. You don't have to actually have them roaming around everywhere. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess Buffalo Bill doesn't exist anymore, and the football team remains. True. True. There's plenty of those, right? Things that don't exist anymore in team names. I mean, Alabama is just a wave. Yeah. But their mascot's an elephant. True. The Lakers. There's no lakes in L.A. They're named <laughs> the Lakers. Well, there are this week with the storms and all that. Oh, yeah. A lot of flooding. Anyway, hey, good morning. Jeremy and Joe. Super Bowl week, we've got Sal coming up at 7 on the Bills. Coaching maneuvers, a couple more moves made. They hired, um, made some hires to their staff. Also said some goodbyes. And we have, Josh pointed this out. So John Butler, who has been the uh, defensive backs coach for a while. There's an account on Twitter that appears to be John Butler who simply posted his stats upon leaving. John Butler's stats? Yeah. The defensive back stats, how things have been uh-huh. with the defensive backs, and then retweeted a Dan Orlovsky, you know, inspirational quote about appreciate, oh, yeah. appre- this. appreciate what you had, uh, what you have until it's what you had. So the story was a mutual parting of ways. You know, I don't know if people have takes on the defensive backs coach, but um, that's a mutual parting of ways. And you know, yeah, maybe he's just letting the Twitter world know, hey, look at this, I did good and uh, I did well. I'm good for a job. Yeah, he asked. At the, or he said at the end, ask any DB I have coached was the proclamation he made after the series of stats, mm-hmm. which were all right, like first, second, first, second, whatever it was. First and second in everything that he picked out. Points, yards per game, yards per pass, takeaways, passing yards per game, passing yards per pass, rating, 20-plus yard, like first or second in everything. Yeah. Well, he's got a pretty good case. If he's just trying to get another job, I think he'll uh, he'll find his way to doing it. Yeah, probably. I was thinking about the coaching carousel yesterday and all these moves and all these guys moving all around. And you know what it really is? It's just like free agency in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So much movement. Oh, this guy went here and then this guy went here. And this receivers coach who spent three years in New Orleans is now going to Tennessee. And it's just this. The only difference is we don't watch these coaches every week. Right. But they move around all the time. Oh, this one uh, defensive line coach, he spent the last four seasons in Seattle, and now he's going to Washington. That's not different than a center that would do the same thing. Right. Coaching staffs get moved around, they get picked over, and, you know, whether it's relationships or it's money or it's guys hitting their head on the ceiling and thinking they need to go somewhere else for a better opportunity. I mean, that happens with players. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're a, that happened with Connor McGovern, right? The Bills signed Connor McGovern, who'd spent time in Dallas, and he's behind Zach Martin. Yeah. So it's like, well, I got to go somewhere I get a chance to play. And all the coaching maneuvers, all that stuff, it's it's just like players. 
it's probably why these guys want to be head coaches so bad because they get to stay. Look at Sean McDermott's been here for seven years. How often in that job, how rare is is it in that profession to just be able to live one place for that long? Yeah. Which is why when Ben Johnson kind of passes on the Washington job, it's like almost stunning. Because what do you mean you want to be a head coach? Everybody wants to be a head coach. You think of probably probably more for the money and like the control and like the credit that you get when things go well, but it, it could also just be that like you get you get you know as you get more of it. The coaches get fired too at the top level is also all the time we know, but if it goes well for you, you just kind of you, you get your roots. Yeah. Right. In the case of Ben Johnson, you probably want to make sure you get it right. I'm not going to take any job, right? Just to take any job, and the stuff that's come out about Ben Johnson since there's a lot of reporting on how he didn't interview well. A lot of whatever sources say, and every one of these sources say seem to be coming from Washington's side of it. Like they're yeah. trying to trash him on the way out. They're trying to tell everybody they didn't just get embarrassed by getting the light. The Lions' offensive coordinator didn't just tell them to take a hike, right? And all of that news coming out from that side of it, from Washington's side, that is clearly from Washington's side, makes, to me, makes it look like Ben Johnson made the right call. Yeah. Like if you're a new ownership group. You're supposed to have a brand new everything, culture, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you're going to trash a coaching candidate because he didn't take your job? Right. Like That's embarrassing. That's really embarrassing. You take Dan Quinn and then start throwing bombs at the, <laughs> what, consensus best candidate on the market because he didn't want your job. Yeah, like that's a that's a you problem. This kind of gets to we've had these conversations before with I mean, not to be too close to home, but with the Sabres, if a player doesn't want to play for you, that is your fault. Mm -hmm. That is not the player's fault on the whole. We want guys that want to be here. Washington might say that kind of thing like we want coaches that want to be here. Well, that's your fault mm -hmm. if they don't. Your job is to make it a place where, you know, people would want to coach and want to be. So. Is that why they're mad? Because they feel like we haven't we haven't even had a shot here yet. Like you don't know that we're not, we're, we're a place that you right. wouldn't want to be. Right. We I've just changed. got we just got here. Hey, I'm Magic. I'm Magic Johnson. What do you mean? I, that's all I need, right? I'm Magic Johnson. I'm just gonna show up and I'm gonna hire the Warriors general manager to, to run my team, by the way. And I'm just gonna go get the best guy on the market. And then I got told no. Yeah. Could be could be a little of that. Could be him specifically. Could be. I mean, there was a, a, for anyone that follows the NBA. There were leaks, and there were stories, and there was drama all the time when that dude was running the LA Lakers in like the la in like recent times. I don't even know about back in the day. So I don't want to, you know, guess or uh, completely recklessly speculate that Magic Johnson is part of the reason for all these leaks. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Dan Quinn instead. Good luck, Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury. Right? Yeah, that's their plan. Okay. Good luck to Drake. Godspeed Drake May, if it indeed yeah. ends up being him that goes to Washington. Well, we've got Sal to talk about all that coaching staff stuff. It's not just John Butler. Of course, the Bills have made some hires as well. And filling out the coaching staff is, you know, players, coaches, come and go. That's how it works. The Bills hired Ronald Curry as their quarterback's coach. Also made a couple hires, a defensive assistant and a cornerback's coach. All that good stuff. So, you know, we'll get to that. The NFL awards are coming up. Tonight, right? That's right. NFL honors. I guess it's time to ask the question, which, it, you know, people ask this question all year. Tonight on, it, like you said, 8 o'clock is NFL it? Network, okay. right? NFL Network. For I'm, I'm assuming. It, you, it usually is. I don't think they changed it for this year, from no. what I know. For a moment there, I thought I saw TNT, but then my screen moved, and it's probably not TNT. Um, I also haven't seen if there's a host. 
because I know they used to do that. Michael Keegan Key did it one year. Conan O'Brien did it one year. Um, but I think it was like Peyton Manning recently. Like they've yeah. kind of gone for like the quasi kind of a host, kind of a not host. The belief is that Lamar will win the MVP. And let's mm-hmm. a- let's ask the question. Why By the did- way, it is Keegan Mike and Michael Key again okay, uh, tonight. Why isn't Josh going to win this? Let's really ask it. We, okay. Instead of just for the last two months, how come he's not? How come he's not? I don't think it's a bias. I don't think voters hate Josh Allen. I, I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Why is Lamar going to win it and Josh not? Lamar had a season that's not as good statistically. Mm-hmm. He had a defense that start to finish was great. The Bills right. did not have that. They've right. had good defense throughout the season, but there were big stretches where they didn't. It's right to say he had more help around him, right? I mean, at least from the receiver standpoint, I think. Uh, that, no? I don't know. That 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 might be a stretch to say it's it's obvious. I mean, they don't have Maybe a it's close. They don't have a digs. I know they have Zay Flowers, who is a really nice rookie. Yeah. But Beckham, Bateman, I guess Andrews, okay. Andrews and Likely, I guess, are a better tight end duo than what the Bills have, but I guess the Bills are fine there, too. Sure. Yeah, why, okay, maybe that's close enough. So why isn't Josh going to win it? He led the NFL in yards and touchdowns, and the Bills went 11-6 mm-hmm. and six and won their division. So why isn't he going to win it? You've said this before. Isn't he not going to win it because the guy who wins it is the best quarterback on the best team? That is often what happens. That the, yeah. the quarterback on the it's usually the one seed, but sometimes sometimes it's a two. Rodgers won it because he had the best year on the best team. But it, it has not often happened where a guy like Lamar, who I mean I like Lamar just fine. I'm not one of these people who thinks he's some bum. Mm-hmm. But on EPA per play or whatever, he will be the MVP that is furthest down the board, and it won't be close. Mm-hmm. There are about five, six, maybe seven, eight quarterbacks who have a case over Lamar on EPA per play. Now, some would say that when you hand the ball off, yes, that should count too. Because if you're Lamar Jackson, teams are game planning for you no matter what, right? Yep. You hand the ball off, you're still on the field. Okay, well, that'd be true of Josh Allen too, who had a really good running game with James Cook, who had 1,000 yards. But it's tough. Like I never, I never am able to get to the answer of why Allen isn't going to win it. And I, I'm not going to buy for a single second well, it's it's because they don't like him. Just doesn't work for me. Doesn't doesn't stack up. Who? This yeah. is the story about well, they talk too much about the interceptions. I even think that has been kind of pushed down. But that is probably the best case or the best argument is that there was a stretch in the season where that was true. Yep. That it was too much of a talking point, but other than that, it is really tough to make the case for why anybody why, why will it be almost is it going to be unanimous? Probably not. It's not. I mean, they changed the voting. They changed yeah. the voting a couple of years ago, so now you can vote first, second, third. Right. I also, also I, I want to be careful. To should, is it right to assume that just because Lamar's been the betting favorite, that that means that he's going to be just automatically the winner? Does that have to be how that works? Like the the betting lines are guessing at who's going to win it, right? Like they don't. I don't. I don't know if that's usually the way that that works. That every year we kind of know before. Hey, Lamar's minus two hundred to win the MVP for four weeks before the NFL honors. So okay, he's the MVP. That's it. Like it always comes out to fruition that way. 
I don't know if I want to assume that. I mean, Lamar, I mean, one big key that I think is going to have to be different this year, no matter who they pick, is very often they just give the MVP also to the guy that has the most passing touchdowns. Like, if you look at how many passing touchdowns by year the MVP has, 41 by Mahomes last year, 37 and 48 by Rodgers the years before that. When Lamar won it, it wasn't, I mean, he had the rushing yardage, but he had 36 passing touchdowns that year. He led the league that year. Led the league with 36 passing touchdowns. This year, 24? I mean, I I still want him, it's hard for me to believe that he actually is going to win it tonight because... The stat line is just not really there. Allen, I mean, I really do want to believe that they're not going to give it to him because so much of his story, if you're whoever voting for the MVP and maybe you don't watch every second of the Bills, you think of Josh Allen as the guy that can't stop turning the football over. And how many voters think that that matters? Depends who the voters are. <laughs> I bet there's a good chunk of them that think that that, is, that matters and that, hey, they... Part of the reason they haven't won yet is because Allen can't stop turning the football over, and that's also why he's not going to get MVP, because too many of them look at, oh, it led the league in picks. Yeah, you're not getting MVP. I'm not giving MVP to the guy who led the league in interceptions. When I, I would be fine with that. I'm sure there are some that would. He'll get some votes, I'm sure. Like, will he finish in the top three? He was a finalist. Um, But I I don't know. Like, wh- why else didn't he win it? Or do they not give proper respect to rushing touchdowns? He had 15. I mean, without rushing touchdowns, does Lamar have a chance to win it? And he didn't have 15. No. How many touchdowns, though, did even he have? I mean, his rushing production is usually more with yardage, isn't it? So I don't know. Like Again, the year he won MVP, he had 36 passing touchdowns. And rushing, he had seven. This year, he had five. Yeah, like... He had 10 fewer than Allen did. That He had 10 fewer rushing touchdowns and 5 fewer passing touchdowns. 29 total touchdowns. Yeah. MVP. I'm not out here to say that anybody's got an agenda. It is puzzling. Yeah. It really is. You you, you know, the Tyreek Hill or the Christian McCaffrey cases are always made, and those are always immediately dismissed. If you were trying to make a case about a non-quarterback, you get shouted out of the room. Quarterbacks have to win this award. By the way, he's not minus 200. I messed that up. He's minus 2,000. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's going to win it. Y- yeah. It's the kind of odds that, that tell you it's over. He has won this award. It's like, it's like Alabama playing Jacksonville State odds. <laughs> That's right. Is Lamar to win the MVP tonight. Not just to win his, the MVP, but to win his second MVP. Yeah. Tonight at the NFL Awards. And I, I, I it is weird. You're right. Like it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's strange that it, it's a strange. It was a strange year too for this, though, wasn't it? Like every week there was a different favorite. Well, so I said to is you, is he just kind of the guy at the end? He just happened to be the favorite when the season ended. Had there been three more weeks in the season, it would have been somebody else. Uh, I, I said to you. Also, I saw a lot of Bills fans asking, should they ask this question? Should they have the vote after the playoffs? Yeah, which the NHL does a lot of their awards after the playoffs, or at least after the when you get to the conference finals. Do they tell their voters though only factor in the regular season? No. Okay. They no, they are supposed to include in the NHL. Okay. Get, this is hilarious. Uh, when they do general manager of the year, mm-hmm. it is frequently the final four teams GMs that get nominated for that award because the NHL does like Sick. who's the GM of the year? Like, well, who's yeah. left? Yeah, that's how they do it. But. For Lamar, 
Yeah, it wasn't exactly there was a new favorite every single week. But I, I did say this to you. I don't understand how we all got suckered into talking about the MVP like it is a week-to-week race or why it should be treated that way. Because once you start to treat the NFL MVP race like a week-to-week, it becomes like power rankings. Mm -hmm. And what are power rankings other than telling you which team you feel is playing well right now? Right. Who's who's? What do the power rankings say about the NFL teams in week 16? I have no idea Mm -hmm. because nobody cares anymore because now we got to the postseason and you know, games started mattering, and if all, all you matter is if you survive in advance. But power rank the teams in week four. Power rank them in week seven. Who is the MVP of the league in week nine? I don't know. Why would anybody think about it that way? And yet the NFL kind of turned the MVP talking points into a horse race like this every week. Oh, this week it's Dak. Dak's the favorite. Mm-hmm. And then he had a bad game, and it's, see you later, Dak. You can't win the MVP now. Right. Dak still has a case. I saw a case all year long for Mahomes, who his offense was what? It was him carrying his offense. A lot of times when we talk about MVP, we want to talk about it in terms of this guy doesn't have any help. Mm-hmm. Who's the guy that had the least help? Let's do that. Okay. The least help? Who's the most impressive guy that had the least help? Because that's definitely not Tua. I thought of Mahomes. It's not Tua. Mahomes has a case for that. Mahomes is a very good case for that, I think. Could, Although he's got, he still does have Andy Reid and he, Kelsey. That's right. Um, I don't want to put coaches here. I think if you have a coach. Okay. He has Kelsey, who was hurt most of the year. And playing hurt, at least. Yeah. It's just wild. That, like you said, minus Stroud, I mean, was in there at one point. And does he have how much help? I mean, he had, he had some help. I'm not saying he didn't, but... His numbers, Nico Collins' numbers. Nico Collins is great. Nico Collins looks like one of the five best receivers in football. On some of the five best receivers yes. in football. On his advanced stats, Woo. yes. Yards, okay. Joe, yards per route run, he was number two. Yeah. And Tank Dell was great for them. Yeah. All right. Not Stroud, then. Not Stroud. Um, I mean, for the no-help point, it probably is Mahomes. Marquez Valdez-Scantling like, how, is his number one receiver how for far half up, the year. How far up the board does Allen, Josh Allen get? I would put him pretty high. With the no-help? I would put him pretty high on that list. I mean, he's over. I mean, Dak does have Ceedee Lamb, and Lamb is amazing. Listen, top, Lamb top, top five receiver. Lamb didn't disappear halfway through the year, right? Like maybe they had more to go on behind him, and you couldn't focus as much on Lamb as you would have on Diggs. But I don't know. I have fewer questions about Lamb as an elite receiver than a lot of these other teams have. I mean, with the Chiefs, it was kind of Diggs like where. All right, Kelsey's still good, but like, what am I supposed to be? What, what am I supposed to be expecting here? I'm supposed to be expecting a lot more than I got. He's yep. pretty good now, not the same as what you would have had in the past. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Let's get a call in here. Brett, North Carolina, going to join us. Brett, good morning. Morning, gentlemen. Um, so I do want to plant a seed on the receiver thing that I hope you can maybe speak to. I, yeah, the, de- the depth is so good. It's like I'm I'm looking at these guys in the first and. You definitely want to grab one there if, if it's that per- perfect plug-and-play. But, man, second and third round depth is crazy. So just put a, put a pin in that for now. But real, what I really want to introduce is, like, this, this idea that's pretty popular in business and other places called jumping-esque. It's, um, you know, like in a business, they kind of grow slow, then they have this big peak, and then they plateau, right? So it's this S-shaped graph, right? And businesses look to innovate and, and get creative to stay relevant. You look at Apple, like they had the Mac, they had to make the jump to iPod. They had the iPod, they had to make the jump to iPhone. 
all these different iterations. And I think it's applicable in sports. And I think it's extremely applicable to where the bills are right now because we have now, like, run the course of the formula that worked really well in the first seven years of McDermott and Bean. And now we have, we're in a position probably in the next year or two, maybe maybe year, but hopefully two, where we have to we have to figure out how to jump S curves. You know, whether it's you want to look at it reloading some veterans to young guys, changing scheme and idea a little bit, you know, the Frazier to Babbage thing, um, the Dave all the Brady thing. But I do think that's where we're at. And it's such a pivotal time for a franchise, you know, because a lot of them don't make that jump. I think the one great example, maybe the comp example, is, is your Patriots, right? Brady took around, but they constantly had to jump S curves, reload, rethink, you know. And so it, it, it just it creates to me this really interesting time where you can dig deep and, and think through strategy and how to approach it very differently than maybe the last four or five years or so. To this point, thanks, Brett. There's a larger point about, you know, always staying on the cutting edge, right? There's a piece yep. up today. Benjamin Solak has a piece today at the Ringer. The headline is some version of Kyle Shanahan is not running the Shanahan offense. And I read it this morning. I woke up this morning early and hmm. read this big, long piece where he points out how half the league is built on the Shanahan offense. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Shanahan no longer runs it. He has changed his own Shanahan offense. And that kind of gets to your point about this. This gets to a larger point. Thanks to the phone call, Joe, that you might mention about keeping your, if, if having a, an offensive minded head coach, you know, when you lose your coordinator, you start over again and like, all right, what are your ideas? Whereas if you have the offensive head coach, and this would be true of McDermott on the defensive side too, it's, it's mm-hmm. whichever side of the ball, you're always innovating or you're always trying to and hoping to. And the guys that can innovate and stay at the top, stay at the cutting edge, those are the guys that stick around. This piece from Benjamin Solak is really interesting, just how the Niners use tight formations all the time and the way that that makes things difficult and how they use a fullback all the time and how that makes things difficult. It gets to a lot of stuff that you might hear in your mind, the Bills talking about wanting to be multiple, the Bills wanting to be varied and diverse, and it's just wild. As you're laying that all out, Brett, about what the Bills can do and how the Bills should do it, you know, I'd imagine they will try. What, what will they try? Who knows? Maybe that was 12 personnel this year. Sometimes you're going to try something and then mm-hmm. decide, well, maybe that's not for us. Maybe they push further into it. But anyway, Benjamin Zolak, check it out, the ringer. Kyle Shanahan is not running the Shanahan offense. Hmm. That's, that, what I, that, that, that's just what popped into my mind as you bring up all that stuff. That was not the Shanahan story I read yesterday. What did you way. read? Did you read the story from The Athletic? Uh, Kalen... Kalen Kaler about Shanahan and his surveillance Oh, with the Niners and their coaching staff. I saw that. I did not read it. That he watches his players watch film. He has a, he had a camera put up in each of his assistant coaches' like offices slash positional rooms. Okay. Yeah. And like they never know when he's watching and when he's not watching. Some he'll like, but he like he every it's not like in secret. Like yeah, everyone knows that he does it. But I guess it's not like it's not for everybody. There are some people that it, I guess, rubs the wrong way. But most of the, the people in the story were like, no, it's good. You know, it, it, you're accountable. You always know he could be listening. And I guess he has it set up so that you can't see him. But if he hears something in the meeting, 
that he doesn't like or that has been done the wrong way, you'll hear uh, Brandon Allen, the third-string quarterback, called it the voice of God. Awesome. Where Shanahan, from his own office, will be like, hey, actually, I need you to run that back and do it this way instead. So you don't see him. You just hear the voice in the room, and it's just Shanahan. <laughs> I love this guy. I don't, know whether to li- I don't know whether to like this guy or not ever, any day. <laughs> I, I, I am a, I, I'm rooting for the Niners based on him. <laughs> Seriously, I'm rooting for him. He's the, I think he's the best coach in football, and I, I want I want the best coach to win something. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid's got a case for that, too. I was going to say, yeah. It, it, but he's got Mahomes. Swap quarterbacks. What's the score? Oh, man. If they swap quarterbacks, the Niners are favored by 15. Maybe. 30. 30. <laughs> 803 Thanks, Brett, for the phone call. NFL awards tonight on the MVP. Some other stuff. You've got Deion Dawkins going for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, comeback player of the year for DeMar Hamlin. Could have a nice moment for that as well. Del Reed, fan of the Del year. Del Reed, come on. Let's go. Let's go, go Del. It's Jeremy and Joe on WGR. For three, long rebound to Curry. Curry has it knocked away. Got it back. Showing you that speed. Oh! A Ronald Curry basketball highlight. How many Bills coaches over time have you been able to play a dunk highlight of? Was he the assist on that? Or the assist on that? the assist? Nice. Yeah. It was a very good-looking alley-oop. Like, it was fun to watch. (laughs) So is it UNC then, huh? Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Won the dunk contest out of high school, the McDonald's All-American dunk contest over Richard Jefferson, which is pretty good. Yes. Yeah. All right, I'll say it. The Bills have the coolest quarterbacks coach in the NFL. Who could be cooler than that? The coolest quarterback coach Who in the won NFL. an All-American dunk contest? Yep. He also was the quarterback of the North Carolina football team while he was their starting point guard. Awesome. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. All and right. played seven years in the NFL if you want it. Welcome to town. I want to find out at training camp whether he can still dunk or not at age 44. He's only 6'2", so he was very reliant, I think, on the uh, on the hops. Sure. So I don't know that he still would be able to. But I'm going to go with yes. At 44, you think he could still dunk? You're 6'2", at 18, and you win a dunk contest. You, you know, can, what, How long can you still dunk for? It is, a great, qu- be able it is a great question for the Bills' new quarterbacks coach. I mean, if you're an NFL coach, a lot of the stories are you never have any time to do anything outside of – the job because you know football coaching is a lifestyle so maybe he doesn't get a chance to play that much basketball or maybe he does stay in shape that way interesting fun to find out jeremy and joe good morning that's the bills new uh quarterbacks coach ronald curry they add him to their staff under joe brady and uh it is also of course super bowl week niners and chiefs we also get a hall of fame class coming up this weekend right like who gets in do you know the 15 finalists? You know, I mean, we've gone through these uh, Wasn't times. Reggie Wayne one of them? He is. Andre Johnson, maybe? Correct, yes. Yeah, like guys, we're into guys now that, like, I grew up watching. Yeah, I think the consensus is there are two locks, and after that we'll see. Yeah. The locks being Julius Peppers and Antonio Gates. Who, by the way, I don't know if that was the same clip, the one Ronald Curry alley-oop clip I saw, 
um, on Twitter yesterday was him throwing an alley oop to Julius Peppers. Is that, that was that was that, that was Julius Peppers that's, that's against Wake okay. Forest. That's incredible. That's pretty cool. Like I said, <laughs> without coolest a doubt, quarterback coach. coolest quarterback coach in the NFL. Yeah, Ronald Curry. Julius Peppers, we've talked about where I feel like every time you tell me like where he is all-time sacks, I'm always surprised. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it's not close. He yeah. Should, he, he should be unanimous. Okay. Julius Peppers Lock. has been an amazing player his entire career. Drafted second overall behind. Do you remember who? Second overall behind. I might need the year for that. This is like 2002? Yep. So... Who went first First overall? Uh, there were quarterbacks that went one and three, and he went two. Was Donovan McNabb one of them? Or, no, I'm a few years McNabb too late McNabb went that. two, and that was, yeah, 1999. Mm, man. And I'm two years too early for Alex Smith. I'm not, I don't, I don't really know if I'm good with this range here. Long-time quarterback, like, um, or bust? Bust-ish, not horrific, horrific bust, not what you were hoping to get. Carson Palmer. David Carr. That's pretty bad, I think. He played a long time. And Didn't he have, like, this might not be his fault. Didn't he? Doesn't he have, like, the all-time record for most sacks? Yes. Like, the most sacked quarterback, like, a hundred times this yeah. season. He played, <laughs> he played for the Texans for five years. Okay. And he peaked at 16 touchdown passes. That's, that's how'd you make it that long? In his, rook, in his rookie season, he got sacked seventy six times. Yeah, that's insane. That six times per game. <laughs> six so times. yeah, David Carr, Julius Peppers, and then Joey Harrington was third. Yeah. So like I said, like bust, but not like the worst ever. Mm-hmm. Now he's on TV talking football. Anyway, good morning, Jeremy and Joe. NFL awards tonight. Josh, nine o'clock, by the way. Nine o'clock. Josh Allen not expected to win the MVP. We opened up the show asking. Does anybody have a really good explanation as to why? And don't give us they hate Josh Allen, because I don't think that's true of anybody, really. Allen's a very popular player in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Fans around the league like him just fine. Why isn't he going to win it? Here's a theory. Had the Bills not been a... It's it's funny how MVP works backwards. Yeah. Because the Bills were out of the playoff picture and had to get back in. Yeah. Yeah. And along the way, they didn't blow teams out. Maybe this is it. Here's my here's my best crack at explaining why Allen is not going to win the MVP MVP and why Lamar is. Because in the final third of the season, mm-hmm. the horse race that the MVP race became, which is, I, I do think it is viewed now differently than ever before because, oh, who's the favorite now? Who's the favorite now? How was Lamar's final third of the season? They were destroying teams. Yeah. And they were destroying good teams. Yes. They destroyed the Niners. Mm -hmm. They bombed the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. And what were the Bills doing? Fighting for their playoff lives and getting relatively close wins Mm -hmm. against the Chargers and the Patriots. They did blow out the Cowboys and Allen threw 15 passes. I was going to say, I remember going into that day saying, if he's got a shot at MVP still, today's the day where it starts. Because at that point, Dak was the favorite. And it's... You beat the MVP favorite at home, and you go on to win the division. Those were it. Those two elements. You beat Dak at home, and you go on to win the the Dolphin game, and you and you win the division. That's it. Your MVP. But what I did not foresee is him beating the Dol- the Cowboys the way they did, where he completed he threw fifteen. Did he attempt or did he complete seven? 
Seven for 15. Seven for 15. Yeah, he had nine, and it he, was over at that point, He had I think. 94 passing yards in that game. Again, not his fault. No, right. They, they, they were just they, so good running. They ran it. They didn't need him. But if, you're, if you want to do why isn't he going to win it, down the stretch, Allen's numbers, passing yards, 233, 94, 237, 169, and then the Dolphin game, he went for 359. Mm-hmm. But again, by week 17, people thought that race was over. They rested Lamar. They clinched the one seed. Touchdown passes in that same stretch. This is post-Eagles loss. one 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 zero two. Yeah. It's not that many t- passing touchdowns down the stretch. Yeah. So, it does almost appear, feel like it's just the least amount of scripts. The least a lot of negative headlines. Because that's kind of how like, it was the way that the MVP was talked about, was that it was like a weekly standings where Dak lost to the Bills the way he did, and he's out. Like, it took one screw-up out. The Niners lost to the Ravens the way they did, where Purdy was throwing all those interceptions. Purdy kind of out the moment that that happened. So, Lamar just didn't have... And, and Allen, I guess, his season started with one of those. The first impression everybody got of 2023 Josh Allen was, look at him just giving the football to the New York Jets over and over, and they lost in embarrassing fashion on Monday Night Football in overtime to Zach Wilson. I mean, he had that out of the gates, and maybe it was just always going to be impossible for him to overcome that because Lamar's just the guy maybe that had the least amount of embarrassing moments on the season, the least amount of screw-ups, the least amount of games where you can just point at him and go, yeah, you were, you're not good today. Because Purdy had that, but that, and Dak had that, and Allen had that, what? and I don't really know that Lamar had a game like that all year. Has that ever won the MVP? But it was a, was it a weird year because there wasn't a big statistical, you know, standout that stood above the rest? I don't know. I, I don't know that that's normally true. I mean, Rodgers threw 50 touchdowns three years ago when he won MVP. So, I don't know. 803-0550. Sal, top of the hour. If you want to join us, you're welcome to. We've got an open phone line for you at 803-0550 and 1-888-550-2550. Jeremy and Joe on a Thursday of Super Bowl week as we count down and get closer and closer to this game. Del Reed's on his way. I saw the he's he, tweeting out some pictures. He's, yeah, he's going. He's going. He's up for hopefully fan. He he's up game. for fan of the year. Yeah, come so, on. And then hopefully he enjoys the game. Yeah, hopefully. Everyone's confused. We'll talk about this maybe later for a little bit. Every everyone I'm hearing on different podcasts and shows is confused as to why the Chiefs are underdogs. I've heard it like ten times, I feel like, from different people. Why are the Chiefs underdogs? This doesn't make any sense. Because the Niners have been the better team the entire year, have have a much right. and have a much better offense than the Chiefs do. And what the Chiefs have is, well, Mahomes. That's the, exactly like that, right. That, like, that, that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's the whole thing right there. Yeah, that's my answer for that. All right, Jeremy and Joe on WGR. You have to have a friendship, a relationship, a a trust, all of that in both avenues. Otherwise, it just doesn't fly. I think of all the things we've had a couple rehearsals. It's it's been fun. And now it's going to be about just spending time together. And, you know, yeah, working on the craft, but also just, you know, I know Tom, football player, but getting to know what makes him tick off the field, I think is going to be important. That's Kevin Burkhart talking about America being forced to deal with the thing they don't want which is Tom Brady replacing Greg Olson. It's going to happen, and you're all going to have to deal with it. Doesn't his tone there sound like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, we had Greg Olson do a great job, and everybody loved him. And he was, you know, forward-thinking, and it's exactly what someone in this job should be. But, at the same time, uh, we have to have the other guy. Maybe we just have Brady only do Chiefs games so that, like, every week. He could be, like, the Chiefs color commentator, uh, and Fox can have all the Kansas City games, so that way we can just kind of avoid all of them together. Just keep them over here. I don't need them. I don't need to see Chiefs Chargers next year. Yeah. I don't want to see it with Brady calling it. So I guess if he's doing rehearsals, he's, he's doing it, huh? There was the story that came out last year, and it was after he did a rehearsal, and it was one of those things where a person anonymously said, actually, he did really well. I mean, really, he, he really did well. <laughs> All right. He was really funny, and yet even that was anonymous. And the question I asked you at the time was, why, why does it have to be anonymous? You're saying nice things. You can't. You don't want to be identified as saying nice things? Mm-hmm. Anyway, interesting. Well, I mean, he of course he was funny. Remember, he was thinking, wasn't he going to do like a comedy tour? Wasn't that? A, wasn't there a day where that was going to happen? I don't know. I've never heard that. Not that I can think of. I'm pretty sure I remember Tom Brady. As no, a, I think I think you're thinking oh, about the AI thing. Oh, I know what I'm thing. doing. I'm yeah, doing you're thinking about the AI the, thing. Yeah, the the fake computer generated Brady. It was an hour comedy. of Brady as a stand up comedian, but it was AI generated. Yeah, eight zero three zero five fifty. Before we get a call, real quick, uh, narrative alert. I want everyone to be on alert for this. Seeing on ESPN today talking about the Super Bowl, how important it is to stop the run. These th- <laughs> hey, hey, whoever stops the run here today is going to be key. Run the run and stop the run. I want to make this mm-hmm. point before the game for anyone out there that wants it. Will it be important to stop the run in this game? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it important to stop the run for the season? You tell me. Where do the Chiefs and Niners rank in run defense rank in the NFL? I mean, I know the Chiefs are not high. 28th. Okay. Niners? And Niners, I would guess, are better. 25th. Ooh, not by much. You have the 25th and 28th best run defenses mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. You asked, how are the Chiefs underdogs? Okay, here are some rankings. Pass offense, Niners, 1. Run offense, Niners, 1. Wow. Pass defense, Niners, 6th. Rush defense, 25th. Chiefs on the same numbers. Mm -hmm. Pass offense, 12th. Rush offense, 21st. Hmm. Pass defense, 3rd. The model is pass and stop the pass or have Mahomes and stop the pass. Right. You know? Right. Uh, All right. got to go to break. We'll get some calls in. Bill, stick with us. We've got Sal coming up. Ask him what he thinks about the MVP point on on Josh Allen with the NFL awards coming up tonight. And also um, on the Bill's coaching staff moves. We've got a few new names, including including Ronald Curry, new quarterbacks coach. We'll talk about that with Sal coming up. And uh, your phone calls as well. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio, Sal Capaccio on WGR. Sal Capaccio going to join us here for a chat about the Bills' coaching moves, a new quarterbacks coach, some new defensive assistants added, and an NFL awards show coming up tonight. Good morning, high fifties today. Golf courses, you know, mm. if you got one open, you can hit. You can hit the golf course. That's good. Hey, Sal. Hi, guys. Good morning. Morning. Morning to you out there too, Jeremy and Joe. Sal, before we get started, uh, so want to you know pass along our condolences. Saw you posted. You and I mm-hmm. chatted about it. Uh, you and the fam- family had to say goodbye to your, your dog Roxy, uh, and uh, it's tough, man. So we're we're thinking of you. I saw the pictures you posted. Uh, the dog, you know, been with you for a long time. Yeah, longer than Max has been with us. <laughs> Believe it or not, he's ten. Right? I mean, it's crazy. So. Uh, as everybody probably knows out there, you know, you just dogs are such a part of your family and such a part of your life. It's, it's really, it's really tough. And, you know, um, the, the vet was telling me there's a, there's a comedian or someone out there who said like, why would anyone get a puppy? All it is, is heartbreak waiting to happen. <laughs> and it's true, but you know, you think about it and, and the reason is, and I thought about it as we all know, it's because you'll, as much as that heartbreak happens, you have many, many years of incredible, wonderful joy and so many memories uh, that go along with it. But, you know, we, we had a dog. My wife and I had a dog named Willis. He was an American Bulldog boxer in Florida, moved up here. He moved up here with us. And um, Willis passed back in, um, that would be, what, right before, probably 20, early 2013. And we, we decided, you know, we're not going to get a dog. And then, and then we got pregnant. And then, you know, you just you, you miss and you love dogs so yep. much. And then we found Roxy and we got her while we were pregnant before Max was born. So it's been a long time and she's been with us for a long time and she was a great dog. And we're going to miss her tremendously, obviously, uh, you know, and, and it's been rough on everybody. But at the same time, um, you know, she she lived a great life. She gave us a great life and she's in a better place, you know, and, and I think that's what you take comfort in knowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I think of a couple like parallels. For me growing up, I had the same kind of situation as Max where my parents had a dog before I was born and I grew up with that dog and I remember saying goodbye. I might have been around 10 or 11 years old. And then yeah, me too. And when, same same and age. When our kids are born, when, when my wife is pregnant with the twins, we got an, a younger puppy during that for the kind of the same reason, one of the same reasons, which is I wanted my kids to grow up with a dog the same way that I did. Like, I just feel like there's, you know, yep. there's there's value in it. So, um, yeah, very very cool, of course, to have uh, given her a home for so long. And uh, we're thinking of you and, and Max and Jan as well. So, uh, yeah, d- dogs, dogs. All right, on to business. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On to business, Sal. Um, co- coaching moves. <laughs> I joked with Joe. Yeah. The Bills now have the coolest quarterbacks coach in football, right? I mean, to have played <laughs> yeah. at, at North Carolina, wow. Josh played a highlight of him throwing an alley oop to Julius Peppers. Like Ronald Curry is, uh, he, he had his own successful athletic career, and now he's uh, quarterbacks coach for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I tweeted, 
yesterday that there will be no debate this year on who the best basketball player will be at St. John Fisher at training camp. Uh, it will be Ronald Curry <laughs> amongst the players and coaches. Uh, this guy, he was, I, I did a little research on his actual, like, playing because I'm like, yeah, I know he played basketball at Carolina. I know he played, you know, football at Carolina. Dude was seventh in the ACC in assists his sophomore year. He led Carolina in assists. He started, and he was incredible. But what's funny is Joe and I were talking about this on uh, Extra Point Show. I don't know if you brought it up, but uh, he was he had committed to Virginia, and he was from Virginia, and he was highly recruited in both, you know, number one recruit in the nation, essentially, in both sports. Maybe, you know, here or there, somebody had him second or third, but he winds up go, uh, committing to Virginia, but then he flips. He goes to Carolina, and he was like the villain in Virginia because of this. And I guess the comic strip Tank McNamara named him Jerk of the Year that one wow. year. That's how bad it was and how it got down there. But now that's not to disparage him, of course. You know, he, he did go to the NFL. He played briefly. He didn't have a long NFL career. You know, about five, six years, I guess. But I don't think he did too much. Became a coach. And I, I found it fun. Jeremy, this is when you and I, and you, you'll be you're going to say the same thing. This is why when I know I'm old, when Ronald Curry has been coaching for 10 years in the NFL that I didn't realize, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. he's been with the New Orleans Saints, and his influence is under Sean Payton. Obviously, he did work with Joe Brady there uh, several years ago, and we had Nick Underhill, who covers the Saints, on the Extra Point Show yesterday. Really good interview if anybody wants to listen to that, and he really raved about his communication with players, how much that he understands the game, obviously, at his level, but also relationships and what you know kind of relationship guy he is, and that's really going to help, I think, coaching a superstar like Josh Allen, because that's not always the easiest thing either. Obviously, Josh is easy to coach, but when you're coaching somebody of that talent, you have to have a good built-in relationship, and I think um, Ronald Curry will be a guy for that. When it comes to bringing someone from the outside, Sally, of course, you have, you have openings, and there's a lot of turnover. Part of me makes me, part of this all makes me think this is a little bit of a look into the ownership they're giving Joe Brady of the offense, right? Get it, mm-hmm. go out and get a guy you've got a connection with. We'll bring him in, and it's it's a new voice in Josh Allen's ear. One hundred percent, and I agree with you a lot there. Which is, it is basically, hey Joe, like what do you need? Um, what will help you? Who will help you? And you know, he brings in a guy he knows, obviously. And then also, you know, you think about last year, they had hired uh, a coach that came from the University of Buffalo. And I have to go, he's not listed on the website, I don't think, but I'll have to go and find his name. But he was hired right after um, Joe Brady became offensive coordinator, like interim, like two, three weeks. And the Bills, you know, said it and, you know, Sean McDermott acknowledged it and said, yeah, he had somebody who had worked with Joe Brady. But it wasn't like a real official capacity, but someone to help out. But the point is, it feels like this is like, hey, Joe. What do you need? What do you want? And they bring him on. And um, I agree with you. So this is Joe Brady having, like you say, ownership, I think is a good word to kind of tell, you know, the organization what direction they want to go, who is best to work in that capacity. The other part of this is from the reporting that was going on yesterday, apparently Ronald Curry could have stayed in New Orleans as wide receivers coach. He chose not to do that and to come to Buffalo to be a quarterback's coach. Um, you could say that's a bump up. That's fine. I think more quarterbacks coaches probably become OCs quicker than wide receivers coaches. Maybe not. I would think that might be. But that's essentially a lateral move, right? How many time guys are we told and talked about that guys leave for lateral moves? Well, here's a guy coming to Buffalo on a lateral move. Yes, he wasn't. No, he wasn't going to be their passing game coordinate uh, quarterbacks coach anymore under uh, Kubiak, their new OC. But he did apparently have a chance to stay on there and say, no, I'm going to go to Buffalo and take this other opportunity. 
Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline. His, your impressions of the Saints offense over the last few years? He's only a part of that. He's you know on the staff. He's not calling plays. But um, what are your thoughts on kind of the system and the offense itself that he's coming from and whether there's anything to, to look at from that, that perspective? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, right? We we have, obviously, the Sean Payton influence. It goes back, and he was a part of that, and I don't think anybody would deny Sean Payton's a really excellent offensive coach, has a good offensive mind. I think that what's held them back, obviously, has been the, the quarterback shuffle the last few years. But, you know, they've done some nice things. I think it's really interesting how they've used Alvin Kamara, and now you think about James Cook, guys. They've also brought in some receivers like Chris Olave. Michael Thomas was really good, you know, a few years ago, and obviously had some injuries and things like that. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. There's been guys that put up some really good numbers, obviously. And, um, you know, maybe not calling the shots. But he is the passing game coordinator. He was last year. But I think you can learn a lot from there and figure out, okay, what are you going to do? This is not – I don't think anybody thinks of the Saints offense as ground and pound, right? <laughs> we don't do that. This is a, an offense that I think we think of spreading the ball around, getting the ball to their playmakers. And I, I think that's probably what the, the Bills are trying to do here. And I would also say that we think of the Saints offense, I do, as being somewhat explosive. Maybe that's not analytically true. I'm not sure. I haven't gone back and studied the numbers necessarily, but I think about Thomas and Olave and Kamara, and I do think about how, and even tight ends they've had, and I do think about how they've made plays, and it seems like they're kind of a, they've been a boom or bust type of offense, but probably the lot of the bust is more, more because they haven't had some of the horses. And then even the way they've used Taysom Hill and kind of get him in and out of there is really interesting, and you know maybe not the Bills have Taysom Hill on their roster, but Maybe you can get some things from there about how they've used different personnel over the years. Yeah, they are a team that has had, I feel like, the weaponry to go mm-hmm. to do the big plays, right? Like, Chris Olave is a guy that's capable of doing that, and Rashid Shahid kind of became like a kind of a one trick pony for that, but same thing, like tons of speed and explosiveness. So they had Deontay Hardy as like a, as their slot guy. So. I think they've had it. I just feel like for them, maybe it's mm-hmm. been more. They haven't had the quarterback to get it down the field, and that obviously won't be a problem here. No, I agree. Um, last year, their top 10 in points scored. For two years in a row, they weren't that good. But, guys, you go back to from 2020 for the lat, for 10 years before that. I guess you're going back to Sean Payton, but they were perennially top 10, if not top 5, in scoring on offense. And obviously, like I said, uh, he's been there for you know a good six seven years, so he's been a part of a, an offense. I think that you know has put up some numbers. So it's an interesting hire, like I said, and um, you know we'll we'll see how he fits in and uh, how, what the what the basketball skill level still is when they get to training camp. That'll be something. That'll be a story, right? We all know it's going to be a story when we get to camp and you know Ronald Curry and playing basketball against the guys. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline. Sal, the other coaching moves to the defensive side of things. Um, any any intel we have from the other moves yeah so interesting to me really that the bills name a new cornerbacks coach uh, jameel adai and this is his first nfl job i believe he had been in the college ranks he had gone uh, he had been at miami he had been at georgia um that they bring a guy in and they also uh let me find what was the other move they made um besides uh, oh yeah defensive a defensive quality control coach christian taylor so they brought in another guy but the move here for me is a die because it's also been reported by a couple people i know um jace kersky and uh also elena getzenberg i don't know if anybody else did i don't want to not give credit to people if they didn't but you know i was doing the the with the dog yesterday and i I didn't see as everybody necessarily Mm -hmm. they had reported that um john butler is not going to be back it's really interesting to me because 
John Butler's been a part of Sean McDermott's staff for several years now. They've had very good success, obviously, in the secondary. I, I don't know this. I'm going to interpret this myself right now to say Eric Washington leaves, John Butler leaves, Bobby Babbage gets elevated. I wonder if there was, hey, if I'm not going to get an opportunity here to be defensive coordinator, I need to go somewhere else to be one because from what Elena and Jay both had reported, it was mutually of parting of the ways between Butler and the Bills. So this reads to me, and again, I don't know this for sure, and we can dig in and maybe I'll find out at the Combine or sometime before that. It reads to me like maybe the Bills had to make a decision. They went with Babich, and maybe the other two gentlemen felt, hey, I, I wanted that opportunity. I didn't get it. Maybe I need to get it somewhere else. That's going to be a change, though, because now, obviously, you have John Butler who leaves. You have a new cornerbacks coach come in, and I wonder, you know, a, a fresh new face, a guy who hasn't been coaching in the NFL. There's a name here that really rings to me, guys. Is it Elam? And that is Kyer Elam. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, I wonder, like a I fresh, wonder a here. A fresh if, start for Elam. Yes, I, I do, and I and sometimes this can happen, right? Sometimes when you have a high pick and it hasn't worked out, the organization might want to go in another direction with somebody else who can kind of be that person's guide and say, we, you know, it hasn't worked with this person, maybe it will with this. I think that's happened over the years. I think back, remember when the Bills drafted Zay Jones. They had a wide receivers coach who names escapes me. It had been he had been Zay's position coach at East Carolina. He left the following year. And I'm not saying that was necessarily the reason, but I always thought, hey, they brought this guy in. You had it, but he never developed. Right? It's about development. And maybe I don't know. Do the Bills feel that Kyer Elam would benefit from somebody else being around him in a fresh set of a fresh set of eyes, a new person? Uh, a new go-to, mm-hmm. and this could all be part of it, and I yeah. think it's very interesting. E- even if the Bills don't feel that, feel that Sal, it's possible that Elam could feel that. Yes, feel that there's a hundred yeah. percent. I agree yeah. with that, and and I and I'm and I'm interested to see what this means for him if it does at all, and it may never. And I think you know there's a lot of things that go into this, right? Always, and these are let's always remember these are people with careers. It's not just. Well, the, the Bills are getting rid of somebody, and Sean McDermott doesn't want him, or Brandon Bean doesn't want him, or whoever. It's not just that you know John Butler or Eric Washington or whoever else says, I don't want to be here anymore. There's so many things that go into a lot of these types of decisions and what the role is, what the fit is, the person's career, where they feel that they'd be best, all those kinds of things that uh, that matter. These are people's careers, like I said. So um, coaching changes happen every year. Uh, last week we had a couple, we had a couple of internal hires or earlier this week. And I know that, you know, there was a uh, a groundswell from some fans that said, oh, here we go, and more promotions, more hires from in-house. Well, now they've gone outside, and they've gotten guys who, you know, have were on other staffs or not even in the NFL in Adai's case. So it should be a little bit of a different feel in some regard at some of these positions. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline. We're going to call in. Bill in Pennsylvania is up. Sal, we've been asking maybe why you think Allen is not going to win the MVP tonight because all indications are – Lamar Jackson is it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill is called in. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, you know, I was looking at the interception percentages for some of the Hall of Famers because I think it's so overblown with this whole thing with Josh Allen interceptions. So, number Brady had 1.7 percentage. Josh Allen is 2.5. It's his career now, 2.5. Montana, 2.6. Marino, 3.0. Favre, 3.3. My second favorite, Bill Kelly, 3.7. Namath, 5.2. Namath had more interceptions and touchdowns. This year, Allen had a 3.1 percentage. 
So if you compare him to the greats, it's it's he's right there. I think it's so overblown his his interceptions. Mm-hmm. Great quarterbacks who throw the ball all over the field and in tight windows are going to have interceptions. Kelly, I saw Jim Kelly throw three and one half. He'd come back the second half and they'd win the game because Smith and and you know Conlon and all the guys would get the <laughs> ball back for them. So again, I just get kind of tired of this mm-hmm. interception put on Josh Allen. He's going to throw interceptions. But but it's a low percentage, and he compares very favorably with all the greats. You never bring up their interception percentages. Yeah. So I just think it's over. Well, but I just want to throw my two cents in there. Thanks, Bill. Pick it up. You on got this. it. Listen, go, listen. Go ahead, let, let me let, let me let you chime in on this because I agree a hundred percent, right? But that that's but but that's is what the reason's going to be for a lot of people, unfortunately. And I agree with that. And I think I've mentioned this before. I I did I. <laughs> I did an ESPN radio spot the day of the Bills game against the Steelers in the playoffs. And I, Jeremy, have I talked to you about this? What happened? Yeah, yeah. They, they asked it like if Josh was going to throw the game away because playoff Josh Allen. Yes. Probably, yeah. It was Myron Metcalf and um, Scott Miller, I think his name is. And I, I think that's his name. Anyway, um, Matt, Matt Jones. I'm sorry because I remember it was like Mac Jones. It's Matt Jones. It Myron Metcalf and Matt Jones. And it was, I had never been like, it was crazy. Like they were just basically like, they could not understand or fathom how I was trying to explain that, yeah, like those things happen, but that's not like what we, he also leads the league in touchdown passes. And they kept telling me I was ignoring interceptions and only focusing on the positive. And I'm trying to tell them, well, no, you have to have nuance with this. And they and he literally gave me like, he gave me a hypothetical. I couldn't believe this. He gave me a hypothetical. Myron Metcalf did and said, oh, you're telling me what happens if they get towards the end of the game and Josh has a chance. He throws an interception. Everybody. I'm like, what kind of hypothetical is that? What if he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns and they lose like has happened in the playoffs, right? And then I went and I looked and I researched it and I tweeted this out that week. Josh Allen, amongst all basically guys who played enough games, like 10 games in the, in the, in the playoffs amongst quarterbacks with at least one touchdown pass, has the lowest career ever interception percentage, lower than anybody, Manning, Brady, Rodgers, whoever else, uh, for, for the playoffs. Now, all that said, the point I'm making here is I agree with the caller. This is why people do it. This is why he won't win. That's right, because people focus on the interceptions. We've heard it all year. We all know here in Buffalo, and I guess the best way I'd love to say this is, of course, we'd all love to see Josh Allen never throw an interception. Nobody wants to see their quarter. That would be ideal. And does he throw too many? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to look at the numbers, that's right. But the fact is, all of the things that he does to score touchdowns has far and outweighed the successes and mattered to the successes than his interceptions have mattered to any sort of failure to the Bills who've won four straight division titles. Yeah, I saw a piece on Pro Football Focus the other day, Sal, also on, like, he was kind of just getting unlucky. He, he this year, he led the league in picks. You want to know where he ranked in turnover-worthy plays? He ranked not that high. 15th. In the league, he was lower than Tua, Mayfield, Fields, Purdy. He had the same. He had the same rate as Stroud and Mahomes. But why? And like this could maybe lean to there could be some positive regression in this area next year, just because that's how it usually goes or it can go. Allen threw twenty-one turnover-worthy throws all year. Eighteen of them got intercepted. Yeah. Like Purdy, meanwhile, was kind of notorious for this this year, where. It was like uh, the same article had it, like six or seven interceptions he had dropped this year by the defender, and that just didn't happen to Allen. So I don't want to say that happened every time. There were throws he made, and there were, I think, flaws with the offense, Sal, that maybe Mm -hmm. sometimes made it feel like the ball was going to a spot that it shouldn't have. But I don't know. I feel like you just kind of run back a lot of 
this next year and you keep that number the same and he's not going to have 18 interceptions. Uh, how about, and I'll, I'll go a step further, Joe, and say, if you give me the exact same stats for Josh Allen in 2024 than I had in 2023, I'm rolling. That's fine. I'll live. They can still win a lot of games. Right? I mean, yep. th- th- that's really what it is. It, yes, I know. The interception number is higher than you'd like. No doubt. He threw the three against the Jets opening night, which were awful. They were on him, his decision-making. And then a few more along the way or throughout the year were, okay, what are you doing, Josh? Right? Bad decision. First play of the game against the Patriots. Um, you know, a couple against the Jags. But that was, you know, down the field. You could definitely pick apart some. There's no doubt about it. But again, I will take the I will take him throwing some interceptions versus what we get for all of the amazing other things. If you take away the interceptions, you might take away a lot of that. And those things are contributing far more to the results of Bills games than the interceptions. And when I tried to explain that on the CSPN radio spot and I said, walked off the field in New England with the lead, walked off the field in Philly with the lead, walked off the field against Denver with the lead. Like these things aren't causing the Bills to lose. But you know what is causing the Bills to win? Josh Allen and all the touchdowns that he scores. And uh, but but you can't escape it. And to me, that's why he won't win tonight. And full disclosure, guys, I think I might vote for Lamar. It's close. I haven't really dug all the way into it. Like, I think Lamar Jackson's a very worthy MVP this year. I do not want to take away from Lamar Jackson in a season. But I don't think Josh Allen is getting enough credit and love to be considered as much as he should be considered simply because of what you guys are talking about, what the caller said, because people focus too much on that interception number. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline. Sal, thanks for the time. Uh, yep. We'll keep, we'll keep our ears open. Any, more, are there any vacancies left on the staff that we should be looking for? Good question. Um, I don't think there's an assistant head coach name, but that is a title that you don't have to have. Right. It's just a, a title. Uh, there, no, there are no actual positions available as far as I can see. Um, corner, safety, Joe Dana is there, linebackers, defensive line, offensive line, quarterback, tight end, receiver, running back. Everything is filled. It would just be the assistant position coaches. And then, um, like I said, maybe senior assistants, assistant head coach, people like that. And, and just to run that out, they didn't lose anybody from the management staff did they i know they had a couple guys that interviewed places but i did, didn't see that anybody well, got like got a job no but joe um unless unless they were going to be fired like outright mm-hmm. right now that's not going to happen until after the draft and a lot of times gotcha. because teams don't make those moves until after everything's done now you could have lost for example terrence gray if he had a general manager job i shouldn't say just fired like somebody could have mm-hmm. gone to a place where somebody was there was an opening but Terrence interviewed for two different jobs, as far as I know, Chargers and Raiders. Those were filled. All the GM jobs are filled, so you won't lose anybody on staff there. If the Bills are going to make a change in their scouting or front office, that probably won't happen until after the draft because that's when their season ends. Okay. All right. Thank you, Sal. You got it. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline. Jeremy and Joe, when we return, an internal email, feelings of betrayal. Mm-hmm. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong. The emails, the email I got from you two yesterday. What? <laughs> what is wrong? I, I, did, wait, I was not uh, on this email, but I know exactly what we're talking about. What's? We'll get to that next. It speaks volumes, I think, about you know the coach that Curry is. But you know, if I'm him, there's no way I can take that job. Like they hired somebody over me to be the OC, and then. 
you know, going from QBs to wide receiver, it is kind of working backwards a little bit. So I get it from his point of view. I think it's a, a better decision for him to go to Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo is trending in the right direction. The Saints could be trending the wrong direction unless Kubiak kind of revives this thing. So I think it's a smart move for him career-wise. You know, I think it's a good opportunity for him to get out of here and maybe, you know, go somewhere else, show what he can do, and, you know, kind of maybe fast-track it a little bit instead of maybe getting stuck in the mud down here. Is Nick Underhill on the Bills' new quarterbacks coach, Ronald Curry. Spoke with you guys yesterday on the Extra Point Show, uh, so that's the latest. Could also just be, I mean, well, he laid out what it all is, but hey, Derek Carr. Mm, right. Yeah. He got offered to come back to New Orleans on Kubiak's staff, which might be a little rare. Like, hey, you can come back on, on our staff. I think he would have been... Still passing game coordinator, but receivers coach, he said. Um, but right, like, Derek Carr's the quarterback. And also, if this doesn't go well this year, aren't we all fired in New Orleans? Like, Dennis Allen and whoever. That's He kind of gave that impression that the whole Saints coaching staff is gone if they don't make the playoffs this year. So, if you're Ronald Curry, why are you going back to New Orleans? Yeah, instead, I, I, Derek Carr's a bad year. I I need I need a new job next year anyway. I go to the Bills. I mean, you know, yeah. We talk about McDermott once in a while for this, but I feel like Nick, Ronald Curry probably looks at this as a far more stable situation. And you're stepping into the job under Joe Brady. Joe Brady just had this job basically. He got elevated to offensive coordinator. And yeah, if the Bills have a good season, Brady's going to get looks for head coach. Oh yeah, if he wants to be a coordinator, this that this is the this stepping is the stone. Step. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Dan and Ellicottville. Then we got to talk about this internal email and the betrayal from you two. Dan, good morning. Trail. Morning, guys. Morning. Um, you just on the MVP debate. Um, I think two reasons. I don't think Josh can win, and it's, it's sort of about the interceptions. I just think he had too many clunkers in prime time spots that people remember. Jets, the Giants. You know, he somehow won two of them: Jets, Giants, Broncos, Chargers. Um, but I think the other thing, probably more significant, is this. And you guys talked about it in the first hour. Just this recency bias with that I think the sports books have created that it's this week to week race and you know people voters even subconsciously are relying on Vinny from the, who set in the odds in Caesar sports book to kind of sway their opinion and the biggest reason is December twenty fourth Christmas Eve Brock Purdy was a good favorite he was minus two hundred to win the MVP the next night the the Ravens destroyed the Niners on national TV and a huge spot on Christmas night. And then the next week, Ray, uh, Lamar blows up the Dolphins, and, it was, and the race was essentially over. Yeah. Even though two weeks before that, you know, Lamar was plus 500 and Purdy's minus 200. You flip that result of the Ravens-Niners game, and Purdy is probably the MVP. I, I don't probably think there's any question about that. So I just think it's – I don't know if it's unfortunate. It's just the nature of what we're, what we're living in, the times with the, with the odds – in the sports book daily, I think it's kind of stupid to be honest with you, but you're not going to stop from people from talking about it. Yeah, so. thanks, thanks, Dad. Guys. Thanks. You and I are of the same mind. I, I I ranted to Joe several times this year. Well, why are we treating daily movement of the MVP odds like these are standings? Mm-hmm. Maybe they should just have a standings race. Maybe they should vote every single week and then tabulate it at the end of the season. Who knows? But it does feel more like a horse race than it ever did before, um, or whatever. Power rankings week to week. It's weird. Anyway, NFL awards are tonight, and Lamar expected to win the MVP. Okay, to this internal email. This Uh this betrayal. 
betrayal. Josh Schmidt, producer Josh Schmidt. Hey, Josh. He sent me this. Hey, guys, I got this email this morning. Let me know what you think if we want this guy on the show. Seems pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's scroll down. We get offered things, right? Hey, so-and-so would love to come on the show, well, yeah. this, especially during Super Bowl week. like You get a lot of opportunity. Oh, yeah. people, lot trying to, of... people trying to sell stuff. Yeah. Oh, we can have this person on. Will Levis is selling ping pong, I saw on Radio Row yesterday. I would have Will Levis on. Yeah. Talk about ping pong. And, how and he... Will Levis and his and that... muscles and his mayo coffee. And his diet Josh Allen playing style. That's, that's got to be the get on Radio I... Row this week. Will Levis. So put him on the list. Will Levis. All right, we'll would, try to get Will would Levis. Would take him. So anyway, this email, I scroll down. All right, who is available to us? The email reads, our agency's handling the new docu-series from Apple TV called The Dynasty, New England Patriots. And to support the release, director and executive producer Matthew Hamachek, who directed the Tiger documentary, will be doing some radio interviews. And the next paragraph says, now I know, at first glance, a Patriots docu-series, and it's at that moment I delete the email. <laughs> I'm sure this is a nice person. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's very talented. I'd actually like to maybe talk to him about the to- Tiger documentary. But Josh sends me this email. Do we want to talk about the guy that directed the Patriots docu series? And my thought is, I'm not like we'll talk about it tomorrow. But no. Uh-huh. Moments later, maybe an hour later, you send me a text. Yeah. Hey, we've been offered the Patriots docu series guy. Uh huh. And I'm thinking, who are you guys? <laughs> In what world do we want to talk about the Patriots dynasty for the 17th different version of, uh-huh. oh, now there's a new, th- we've got 30 for 30, man in the arena, i got Belichick's football life, Brady's now going to be on Fox. Uh-huh. In the, you, you, you really thought that in the 10 minutes we wouldn't be just sieged with all of the Chiefs stuff. We should take a break and talk about the Patriots dynasty. Am I wrong? Here is where all of that is completely understandable. Here is where I was open to the idea, and even still am, because of, one, I already heard this guy on another interview on a national show. Who? It's either this guy or another guy that like directed or worked on this, this, this documentary. And finding out, well, the Tiger documentary part. Did you watch the Tiger documentary? Not HBO? yet. I'm really excited to. And I'm sure this person's a very nice person and a good and a tremendous director. The Tiger documentary was not fluff at all. Like they went after him on the on, on the, the situation with his wife. Yeah. Right. Like and you know going to sexual addiction classes or whatnot. Um. Like he they they went in on the stuff, the dirt on Tiger, and then I come to find out that in this Patriots docu-series, which I might still not watch, definitely wouldn't have if I hadn't known this. Might still not watch. I'm canceling my subscription this is why. Ju- Hold on. just for a month to make a point. This is why. The only reason I'm considering it, there's a whole episode dedicated to Spygate. There's a whole episode dedicated to Deflategate. There's a whole episode dedicated to Aaron Hernandez. And there's a whole episode dedicated to how Brady and Belichick's relationship was toxic at the end. Only reason I'm open to it is it sounds to me like they get into all the nasty stuff. I mean that all sounds nice. <laughs> that right, like that that's what I mean. Like if they're gonna get into hey, these guys are cheaters. I don't know how far they'll go with that though. Because they did get Brady, Belichick, Kraft, etc. 
to participate. I don't think they would have participated if it was a hit piece against them. But I want to see, I want to see some confirmation that those were like real things that we didn't all forget about. That they got caught cheating really three times. They got caught, you know, spying on the Bengals at their own stadium like weeks before they played them. Everyone just decided to forget about that in five days. But they got, they got a first round pick thrown out two other times because they got caught doing something that they weren't supposed to. That, those are things I want to see. And the Hernandez thing, I don't care as much on that front, but they've never talked about the Hernandez thing, ever. Nobody on record. So, like, I don't know. Like, there could be interesting stuff. Was there a 30 for 30 on Hernandez? There was, yeah. Okay. Or, uh, not thir- um, Untold, the the Netflix docuseries. Okay. I they watched, did that on uh, Hernandez. I, I, I would have seen one of those a while back. Yeah. So, that's, the, that's my case. That's the furthest I can go. I completely get, like... Sick of them. They're finally gone. I don't want Brady on Fox. I just want to see what kind of dirt I get on these guys. Yeah. No thanks. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I was in the same boat as you, Jeremy, right at the start when I first saw this email. I'm like, like, come on now. Like, this is crazy. And then I had the same thoughts as Joe. I read through it, and I see, like, oh, they get into everything. And it's like, oh, Okay, yeah. like that would be kind of interesting to see all like the Deflate Gate stuff and whatnot, because you could kind of laugh at them and and yeah. see how they handled it internally. But like, I don't want to see. Oh, look at the, all the success! Like that's well, right. So I don't want to see that. This is where I will counterpoint my own counterpoint. I kind of want to see the Deflate Gate stuff. I want to see the Spygate stuff. Um, I want to see the Brady and Belichick hating each other at the end stuff. Um, but you don't want to see. But Ed- I don't want to see talking about how great they were. Uh, right, and looking at okay, so the list of of people that are interviewed in this docu-series that are going to turn me off to it. Uh, John Bon Jovi, Bill Burr, Rupert Murdoch, just... Jonathan Kraft. There's going to be... I I know I'm looking for the dirt. I know that even to get to the dirt, I'm going to have to go through probably a lot of fluff to get to it. I learned something yesterday, speaking of the Patriots, that Bill Belichick has another son that was on his staff. Uh, Brian Belichick, and he's, yeah. he is staying on the Patriots staff. He will continue to work there. He's a safeties coach. An inside man. Yeah. Brian Belichick staying. And Steve Belichick went to Washington to be their defensive coordinator. Yeah. So he's gone. 803-0550, Stat of the day. Let's change the, the tone in here. All right. So much Patriots talk. This reminds me of the time that Howard signed me up for Patriots Insider or something. I got emails for. <laughs> I, I got a magazine sent to my house for a year because Howard. No signed me. way. Yes, like a like a real oh. life like flip through the pages magazine. They sent me a Tom Brady bobblehead and a magazine showed up for wow. every month for a year. Yeah, Howard did that to me. Where's the bobblehead? I'm trashed. A dump somewhere. Somewhere. This is where you tell me it's worth like six million dollars. Right? We have no regrets for throwing it out. Um, stat of the day. Got a good stat for you. Stat of the Day is brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. So it's on Super Bowl MVP. I was looking into this to try and do trivia, and then I found this instead, which just, it's amazing to me to think about. But here you, here you go. This is Super Bowl 58, right? Yeah. Okay. So in the last 25 Super Bowls, there have been... Three times as many linebackers to win MVP as running back. 
Terrell Davis is the last running back to an MVP. Super Bowl 32. 32. Mm. A running back has not won MVP since Terrell Davis at Super Bowl 32. Three linebackers have won it. We say it's impossible for defensive players to win. Not just to... Yeah. They do list Von Miller as a linebacker in this. But, okay, he wants that. Von Miller, Malcolm Smith with Seattle, and Ray Lewis. Three linebackers since the last running back. McCaffrey, I think, has a shot. Yeah, I do too. A real shot to do it. I really the nine the Chiefs with their run defense and everything funneling through McCaffrey a lot of times on that offense. If I he's go, the third leading favorite, I saw okay behind if, the quarterbacks. If I go back one more year in the last twenty six Super Bowls, mm-hmm. the number of running backs to win MVP is equal to the number of kick returners. Desmond Howard won oh, it the year right. before. We're on a uh-huh. we're on a 25 year drought of running backs and a 26 year drought of kick returners. Wow. Well, so much of that is no star running back ever gets to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but shouldn't you be able to win it with just having a good game? Because your maybe your MVP running backs it's Terrell Davis, Emmett Smith, Otis Anderson. Sorry, sensitive subject. Too soon. Marcus Allen, John Riggins. I mean, they do. Franco, Franco Harris. You would think that there have been more running backs to win it, but they they just don't win it. They do want the guy to be a star, don't they? Those guys are going to be more likely to win. And and listen to the, the last. Here are the running backs that have won the Super Bowl. I mean, there's no star power whatsoever that can help push them over the finish line. You had last year, Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> Uh, the Rams had Cam Akers as their starter. The Bucks had Leonard Fournette. The Chiefs had Damian Williams. New England's Sony Michelle. LeGarrette Blunt, three out of four years, was the leading rusher in the Super Bowl for two different teams. C.J. Anderson, Ray Rice, Ahmad Bradshaw, James Starks, Pierre Thomas. Now I'm back, you know, 15 uh, years. James Starks. I'm back 15 years now. I don't have a single guy that was like a top five running back in the league. You probably got to go back to Marshawn Lynch to find like the last time a star running back won the Super Bowl. There is a fun question: Who would have won the MVP if the if a close game went the other way? Right, like if if Marshawn okay. runs it in from the one, does he win it instead of Brady winning it when they beat Seattle? Yeah. Who wins the MVP? Is it Marshawn? You have to go and like look at the stats for every one of those games. Yeah. Well, one example of this, by the way, where like I wonder if the star power mattered to it is when Brady won the Super Bowl MVP against Atlanta. And everybody said James White should have won it. Because yeah. he had, like, didn't he have three touchdowns in the game? Including the winner at the end, which was a handoff. And they didn't give it to him. I think Brady gave him, like, a truck or something that he won for winning Super Bowl MVP. But which he which Super Bowl it. was that? 49? Uh, Falcons won is Super Bowl 50... 51? 51? Brady had 466 passing. It was on 62 attempts. I, was gonna say, I mean, he threw a pick six that helped. <laughs> yeah, helped that's right. 466 is pretty good, though. All right, break time. 803-0550 NFL Awards tonight asking you why you think Josh Allen is not going to win the MVP because all signs point to Lamar, Lamar Jackson winning it, as we all know. But, uh, yeah. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe on WGR.
Josh likes to announce birthdays. Happy birthday to John Williams. 90-something? King. 92. 92. Wait a minute. What's the math on that? He's born what year? He was born in 1932. Yeah, 1932. All right. Happy birthday, John Williams. Happy birthday also to the NFL draft. The first ever NFL draft was this day in 1936. Hmm. How many rounds? Were there like 50 rounds back then? It's a good question. You know, you knew that uh, the uh, Eagles were in trouble because they took a running back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they traded his rights to the Bears. Jay Burwanger, first ever player drafted in the NFL draft. The Eagles were not on the wide receiver train that year. Running back. 1936. Halfback. Jay Burwanger. Jay Burwanger was the first ever Heisman Trophy winner and the first ever NFL draft pick. Which seems appropriate. If the timing lined up on those. Did they even have a scouting staff or did they just say, like, let's give it to the guy that won the trophy? That guy won the trophy. It's 1936, guys. We'll take him. Did it just go in order of voting? So, like, the guy (laughs) that got second place in the Heisman Trophy went second overall and so on? (laughs) That's a great question. This guy, he never played professional football due to a salary dispute. Boy, can you imagine? The if- Eagles selected him but did not think they would meet, be able to meet his reported salary demands of $1,000 per game. And then they traded his rights to the Bears. They and, traded and him to the Bears. And he never paid? He chose not to sign with the Bears wow. to can- preserve his amateur status. Can you so imagine? So he could compete for a spot on the U.S. 1936 Olympic team in the decathlon. Then he missed the Olympic cut, still unable to work out a deal with the Bears. He wanted $15,000. The Bears' final offer was 13500 Instead, he took a job with the Chicago Rubber Company and also became a part-time coach at the University of Chicago. Wow. Talk about fumbling the bag. <laughs> <laughs> he did that 1500 bucks even back then? That was that was all that was... Uh, hey. 15000 versus thirteen fifty. He's the first ever draft, the draft diva. I want to. I, I want to <laughs> hear. That's what they said about this Jay Burwanger. He started if, if, the if, first if, diva. If anybody makes case about Caleb Williams wanting to push where he's going to go, I don't want to hear any Eli Manning. I don't want to hear any John Elway. I want to hear, hear comparisons to Jay Burwanger. Yeah. Boy, this Caleb Williams looking looking like a real Jay Burwanger trying to. You know this guy. No res- no respect for uh, for anything. No respect he, for the game. He also in his uh, Wikipedia page here it says he was very modest about the Heisman Trophy. Unsure what to do with the trophy, he left it with his aunt Aunt Gussie, who used it as a doorstop. Fifteen hundred dollars today would be thirty two thousand dollars per game. Okay. All right. All right. It's a lot. But uh, now my bigger problem is that they used the first ever Heisman Trophy as a doorstop. Joe, hold on. You can't get mad at somebody for using the first ever trophy. As a doorstop. I got a jar of peppers right here, Mark. Somebody's spending these sport peppers. If I just told you, hey, by the way, this is now the most prestigious award in college football. Congratulations. You won the first one. <laughs> what would you do with it? Like, oh, thanks. Right. It's the first year they gave it out. Was he supposed to be insanely it's, honored? I mean, what do you do with your uh, Little League trophies after you win them, though? You put them up on a, on a shelf somewhere. A doorstop. <laughs> The thing, I mean, it looks like a real trophy. It's got a football player on it. It certainly looks heavy enough to be a doorstop. That is true. What trophy would make the best doorstop? Would it be the Heisman Trophy? Yes. 
I feel like the Lombardi Trophy would not be good for this because the top it's, of the the ball kind of extends beyond the base. It's not look, what you want. It, it might the, the Lombardi Trophy looks like it might tip over easily as a doorstop. Yes, the right. Conn Smythe Trophy is very square. So yes, it'd be, it'd be very. Sturdy. Isn't it like sharp though on the top? Like it, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a hole in my door if I use the Conn Smythe Trophy. It's got a very sturdy base though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the Stanley Cup's too big, too tall. You, you can't have that. The World Series is just too flimsy. That's gonna break. Maybe maybe it is the Heisman. The NBA trophy is like it's the same thing as the Lombardi kind of. It's got the big ball Similar. on top. Mm-hmm. I bet there's a college football trophy like a rivalry trophy. Oh yeah. There probably is a doorstop trophy. You know like the little green jug, little brown jug. There's probably a you know the, the brown doorstop that two teams have been playing for for 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get a break in 8030550. A lot of information on the first ever draft pick Jay Burwanger. He died who knew this guy was so interesting. Yeah. First Heisman winner, first happy birthday, NFL draft. We'll get a wide receiver idea of the day in. I want to talk about the uh, the Josh Allen MVP conversation. We got one more day to have it because Lamar's likely to win that trophy tonight, that award tonight. NFL awards coming up on the way. Uh, Anthony, stick with us. We'll get to your phone call on the other side. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. So the idea that they're doing the young audience a tremendous service by showing a game in a postseason on streaming is a bunch of freaking nonsense. They did it because the NBC people gave them $110 million for the one stupid game. So all the owners, they split the $55 million and they make a fortune. This is not about little Timmy Russo, little Colin Russo, little Kira Russo. This is about making money. It's NFL playoff football. 110 million people are going to watch the Super Bowl. And it is not being strange. Mad dog. <laughs> He's mad. He hates streaming. Hates streaming, apparently. Yeah. There's, he also had a rant, which I, I told Josh to save, where he talked about how all he wants to do is watch the games by himself. And I thought, save that for the next time Howard comes in. I just want to watch the games by myself. I don't want anybody to talk to me. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. It's uh, beautiful outside. It is so nice. Let's out. go. Yeah. Vibes are up. I mean, the temperature's not up yet. We're getting there, right? Working on it. Into, we're uh, into the 40s probably right now, in the 50s later. It's 32 right now. It's gone down since I came in. <laughs> it's it was 35 be, when I got up. It's going to be 51 really? later. We're gonna, it's going to be nice out, so we're going to enjoy that. We're uh, you know chatting a lot of things today. We've got uh, Trevor Sikama coming up at 9.30 today. He's got a new mock draft. Until then, you know we can chat with you about a lot of different things. We've talked about the NFL awards tonight and uh, why Josh Allen is not going to win the MVP, why it's going to be Lamar Jackson. So we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more, and throughout you know the rest of the morning, we'll get to whatever else. We also had a conversation about what trophy would be the best doorstop. Yep, yep. And that comes from the first ever Heisman Trophy winner leaving it at his aunt's house, and she used it as a doorstop. Uh huh. And Allie called in from Wyoming to chime in on this. Allie, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, so this is kind of this is random, but I, I went to the University of Wyoming, um, which is okay. where the whole state of Wyoming became Bills fans when um, you guys drafted Josh. So we we love the Bills, but um, we have a, a rivalry game um, with Colorado State University in Fort Collins, um, and we play for the Bronze Boot, um, and it's <laughs> a boot. size eight jump boot. 
uh, replica from a, a Vietnam uh, War veteran, okay. and they run it across the border because um, our schools are about like 60, 70 miles apart. So our ROTC programs uh, run it back and forth to like whoever's hosting that year. Um, but it's like a solid bronze boot, yeah. and it is the the lore at school is that it is very very heavy. So I think it would make a tremendous <laughs> uh, door stop. Um, and so yeah, we're we're very proud to. Uh, have our have our bronze boot. Very cool. I'm looking at it right now. So, Allie, whenever you, you you say you're in Wyoming and the the Josh Allen fan club out there, whenever we see those maps that show Bills games in Wyoming, you'd be one of the people that's in that little pocket watching the Bills. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Yes, we are very proud. There are Bills. I'm from a, a town in like central Wyoming, and we have flags. And there's you get go Bills and go Pokes. We say go Pokes is our mascot so it was very like is easy for us mm. to adopt the go bills because it's very similar to go poke so yeah we very, uh we love the bills very good thanks Ellie. thanks for calling in yeah take care i'm looking at this boot right now and this would be would make a tremendous doorstop i think <laughs> nice solid base it's not too weighted at the top all right well the net the, ob- the heisman the obvious follow-up is now that Allie is called in for the best doorstop what trophy would make the worst doorstop I mean, the, like, claret jug for winning the Open Championship because it's so tiny and flimsy, right? It's going to fall over. It's not going to hold the door. It's not even. It's not going to even begin to do the job. I'm going to go, or is that? Uh, the first one I looked at is the F1 Championship Trophy. It's very t- it's top-heavy. F1 Championship Trophy. Next we'll get to, while we're doing this, Anthony in Buffalo. Hey, Anthony, what's up? Good morning, guys. Um... So, my opinion is I'm a huge fan of Sean McDermott. However, for any people in Buffalo who are against Sean McDermott as the head coach, who is a better candidate, and would anybody in this town consider Bill Belichick as the new head coach? Would anybody consider it like if the Bills, would people campaign for it, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, with his, I mean, hell, him being back in town in in the AFC East. I mean, against his rival team. I mean, it would make for great drama for the league. Uh, but you know, me personally, I, I kind of grew up for uh, ten years in in New England country while being a Bills fan, so it was a little rough. But yeah, he's done some incredible things. You know, again, I, I'm a huge fan of Sean McDermott. What he's done with the team is just incredible, turning it around. But, you know, just for sake of entertainment-wise, I mean, what, what would you think about Bill Belichick coming to Buffalo? I would think about it the same way I think the rest of the NFL would think about it, which is I can respect him all I want. I don't want him running my organization right now. Yeah, it would mean, if all the reports are true, that you were – letting him make decisions over Brandon Bean. And, like, no, thank you at all on that front. Also, do I have any confidence that guy knows how offense works in today's game? It's just, if they were ever to move on from Sean McDermott, it would be, like, my least... Let me get older, let me stay defensive, let me get more archaic, let me start to worry more about how much they're going to throw the ball versus run it. I just... I. He, he's has six Super Bowls. I also feel like there there's not many ideas I like less for replacing him hmm. if they ever were going to. Give me Ben Johnson. If they're ever going to do it, give me Ben Johnson. It is kind of weird because I'm 
I'm aligned with that. Do you ever stop and think, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Let me hire this guy that's never been a head coach Mm -hmm. instead of the guy that, listen, you could say everything you, you want to about Belichick without Brady. What would Belichick do with Josh Allen? If, if if I've got the guy that can only win Super Bowls with a great quarterback, mm-hmm. okay, like that doesn't sound like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I I tend to agree. Although any of these jobs that Belichick could have had, if he goes to Atlanta, they don't have an answer at quarterback. I don't have any belief that they're going to get that right unless they find a quarterback. I always thought the only place that would have made sense for him would have been L.A. And Harbaugh took that job, who was another whale of a hire, right? Yeah. Who was Belichick going to lose out to? He lost out to Raheem Morris because he wanted too much power in Atlanta? Yeah, I guess. Also, uh, this would really get you off the case as uh, we you know, continue here on the wide receiver train. And you are oh boy, you're bringing in the guy he's, who probably has the worst history ever drafting wide receivers. He's pretty bad. Tyquan Thornton, Trey Nixon, uh, Nikhil Harry in round one, Malcolm Mitchell... Jeremy Gallon, Aaron Dobson in round two, Jeremy Ebert. Who? Taylor Price, third round. Like, this is his last 15 years drafting wide receivers. Do you have one good player in there? How many touchdowns are between those guys? Like, five? Uh, Maybe. I think it's less than that. Well, I I feel like Tyquan Thornton had, like, a couple. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. He has not drafted a good wide receiver since Julian Edelman. Which was a six-round pick twenty years ago. Super Bowl MVP Julian Edelman. He won one. Ten catches. He did wh- which? Yeah. Which game? Uh, the one where he made the insane. Well, that was Atlanta. He didn't. The one where he made the crazy catch. He wins it for Patriots over Rams. Edelman had ten catches for one forty-one in a game they scored ten points. Thirteen. Thirteen points. Edelman won the MVP. Okay. I guess who else were we going to give it to in that game? Gilmore. Gilmore. That's right. Gilmore should have won that. Gilmore was unbelievable in that game. Thanks for the phone call. 803-0550. NFL awards tonight. Why isn't Allen going to win the MVP? We had a caller call during sales segment to talk about interceptions. And I I love talking about interceptions. I, I love the nuance of, of these points. The caller that called earlier referenced, you know, if you go back in history and look at interception percentage for guys like Jim Kelly in, in the 90s and few years back there, there's one difference is that passing has gone up and now interceptions are about where they used to be it used to be the league lead in interceptions was 17 in that neighborhood and that's still kind of where it is I mean even though Jameis Winston did it for 30 times mm-hmm. Josh Allen did throw a lot of interceptions but he also threw a lot more passes than teams used to throw yep. and I can remember getting for me getting deep in the interception point and overvaluing protecting the ball is a direct result of the Tyrod Taylor Bills for me. Like I, I liked Tyrod just fine, but I didn't want to artificially inflate the idea that he was so good at protecting the ball, therefore he had to have been a good quarterback. It was about being safe. And there was a there's a period of time where, like a Brock Purdy game manager kind of guy, a lot of teams felt like they could reverse engineer a good quarterback if they just avoided bad stuff. If you avoid bad stuff, you can be okay. And I think of the NFL today with some of these quarterbacks and how good they are, that idea has has kind of gone more than ever before, right? Mm-hmm. Now if you have a guy that protects the football, you're you're dead on arrival. Congratulations, he protects the football. That's not going to win. It just does not win anymore. So 
you live with a guy like Allen who throws a lot of interceptions, but you just think, well, whatever. I get the good stuff with it. If I get a guy that protects the ball and all I do is punt all the time, I'm the Steelers. Congratulations. What are you, what are you getting out of it? So to the point on Allen's interceptions, I don't know that they've ever bothered me out of an individual game like the Jet game. And to me, the opener this year, the Jet game, that was more of a, mm, well, he's going to do that sometimes. Sometimes he's going to fall into bad habits. Sometimes he's the scheme's going to be predictable and the team's going to jump on it. It's going to happen, but you have a guy that does so many great things. I, I can't even imagine punishing a quarterback for MVP because he threw more interceptions than you're comfortable with. I do think that's happening, though, in the league. It, it has it, to it, be. It's mentioned on every single broadcast that the Bills play on, right? That he leads the league in picks or turnovers since the since the start of his career. Um, but the, the, the volume of passes is right. And Chris Trapasso is now picking up on this, too. The, the thing that I mentioned last hour about the pro football focus stats, that Allen's turnover-worthy play rate is like not higher than these other guys. He last year had a bit of a lucky season with it because it was a little higher. This year it actually went down, but the interceptions went up because defenders caught them all, and that's not normal. I mean, that's going to the last year that was Dak a little bit. Dak just like didn't get any luck to go his way every time it threw it in harm's way, which is going to happen to everybody. It always went in the defender's hands. And then this year, what happened? Positive regression. He wasn't near the league lead in interceptions. And Trapasso's putting down numbers that Allen, like Lamar had, Lamar had basically the same turnover worthy play rate that Allen did this year. But Allen had 18 interceptions and Lamar had eight. There's just there, there isn't a, a an amount of deep thinking I think from the voters on this specific thing in the first place. Let alone how valuable it is. It is even if you decide he's worse at that than everybody. Even if he is worse at it than everybody, it shouldn't really matter that much. Well, and there are other numbers that show he's not actually worse than everybody else. He's just unlucky. Let me ask you this because this is a point about buzzword here analytics and all that. Right. When it comes to the way we look at. I don't know, NHL goalies or yeah. players. People don't really look at plus minus anymore. Oh, and, I hope not. And, Holy right. Cow. And for goalies, if you see goals against average, you know there's a lot of context in there. Yeah. You see save percentage, same thing. There's a lot of context in there. You don't just win the Vezina because of a save percentage or a goals against. Like there, there's a lot of context kind of built in, one would hope. With the NFL, we know as the as the teams evaluate these players, like they're definitely looking at this. And yet here are, yeah. here are MVP voters that are still like, well, that's a lot of picks. <laughs> right, well, that's too many picks. How many wins did you have? I'm gonna count how many wins you had and how many interceptions you had, and that's gonna be like my that's gonna be my thesis for the whole my whole voting ballot. DJ and Lockport. Hey, DJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. I got two things. Uh, the doorstop. Doorstop has to be that crystal football that you get in college football. That trophy. I mean, you. That's right. Falling on the steps, breaking. So I mean, it doesn't even have a. You're right. It doesn't even have a base. It, wait, it has a. You set it into a base, right? Yes. It looks like your grandma's Fabergé egg that you're going to drop. Yeah. So. But um, I got this thing with Allen. Obviously, Lamar's great. In my take, you first off, Purdy, you put Allen on the Niners, they're 17 and 0, and he's got 55 touchdowns. You put Purdy on the Bills, they're an 8-9 win team, if that, if he has a great year. Lamar Lamar Jackson, Tom, he's a close that team all year. 
Josh Allen, I get the interception thing. I get it. Ten in literally any of his major statistical categories for his position. God's name is that guy, the MVP of the league, with knowing that there's a player on his team that would probably bring them to a decent season anyway. I just don't see it. I, I To me, it's asinine to think that Lamar Jackson. He's awesome. He's great. But there's no Sorry, we're, we're, we're losing, losing you. Yeah. We got the gist of it, but we're losing you. I mean, it will be Lamar's second MVP. His first MVP, I don't think anyone would dispute. No. Led the league in passing. They went 14-2. and two. Or Led the league in t- passing, passing touchdowns. touchdowns yeah. And went 14-2, and two, and he did all the stuff he did on the ground. So nobody would really dispute. It was unanimous. Yeah. And this time around, we will get ranked choice. Like, you, one, two, three. Yeah. So, Allen, I, I, would, I bet you, Joe, that Allen finishes in second. Second over the other nominees are Purdy, Tua, and I think McCaffrey. All right, let's predict. Uh, Dak, Dak, not Tua. Should we predict the order? It's going to go Lamar one. You want to predict that Allen's going to be second? Uh, yeah. I wonder if they would put McCaffrey that high. McCaffrey, <laughs> other position, weird year for quarterbacks. Um, it, Allen and McCaffrey, though, would be 2-3 for me in some order. Is how they you're predicting how they will finish, not yeah. how they should. No, how they will finish. Yeah. And then Dak for Purdy five? Or Dak five. Dak's finish to the season was so Yeah. Blech. It wasn't yeah. He was the favorite at one point. I had a bet, by the way, on him to win it. Uh that was like seven to one at the midpoint of the season. It was going great, and then yeah, the Bills game was the beginning of the end for it. Yeah, after the Bills game, I mean, he had some big ones in there. Even after the Bills game? Yeah. After the Bills game, he threw eight touchdowns to two picks. Mm-hmm. 253, 345, 279, passing. One more call here from uh, Jordan before the break. We've taken a number of calls on what college football or what football trophy would be the worst doorstop. Yeah, any I mean, any trophy. I saw the F one trophy that you met, and that would be horrible. It's a very top heavy. Oh yeah, yeah it would go right over. Yeah. Jordan's got another one for us. Jordan, good morning. Yeah, guys, I've I've got the single worst one, and simultaneously at the same time, the best one to add to your Super Bowl day spread. It's the Wimbledon trophy. It's a freaking plate. <laughs> <laughs> Won't work. Uh, but guys, real quick on. The Allen discourse. I think he's not winning the MVP because he had his worst games on prime time when the most eyes were on him. That might be right. And Lamar, yeah. One of the things, like, as we were doing this like week to week, Lamar's game against they they, they shredded Miami and San Francisco in back to back weeks, right? And that seems when it all ended. Yeah. When was everybody watching? And Allen went off because you had the Jet game to start, not good. You had the Jaguar game in London that was a standalone, not great. The numbers were there, but they lost that game. The Giant game where they scored 14 points, nope, not there, right? I mean, Tampa, Tampa was pretty good. Past that, Cincinnati, nope. Eagles, Eagles, he was, well, that wasn't, that wasn't a primetime game. And then you had, you know. Charger game late, and that wasn't great for him. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's. I don't think that should matter, but I'm trying to pick the brain of like how are these, how is it that Lamar is going to just win tonight? And it's just, it's just easy. He's he's the winner, and how are how do they arrive at that vote? And I think this 
definitely could factor into the equation that every time Allen played in front of everybody, it didn't it didn't go great. I'm looking at the Wimbledon trophies, and I have got it the, is a plate, right? W- one of them is a plate, and after finding out that he- the Heisman Trophy winner, the first ever Heisman Trophy winner, used it as a doorstop, launching this conversation, I now need to know if you think that a Wimbledon champion that got the plate one has ever used it as a snack platter. For sure. <laughs> you drink out of the Stanley Cup, people baptize kids in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Although the, the Wimbledon trophy is more of a uh, more of a, a gentleman's trophy, if you will. Right? Well, it's the ladies' single trophy that's the uh oh the rose water dish. Okay. Yeah. So you've got Serena Williams using that like when she has guests over. She is she's throwing a party. For the, you, for the Super Bowl. Serena Williams throwing a Super Bowl party. Is she using the Wimbledon dish? The Rosewater dish? I the Rosewater dish? Did she, is there, by the way, is there only one? Do they pass it around? Or does do you get one for every time you win? Because then Serena would have a bunch of them, and she could just make the whole thing. Spreads everywhere, little sandwiches over here, little piece of pizza. You know, you could throw your dips in, in there as well. She got a Wimbledon trophy for everything. It really feels like the only trophy that is publicly defiled routinely the is Stanley the Stanley Cup. Cup. Yeah. It is it, it it's also funny it's treated like it's the most sacred. Yeah. And there are books about how it is consistently just, you know, abused. Oh, the keeper of the cup is got I've heard him on shows before where he's got stories of like things that have happened to that Stanley Cup. Dented tons of times. It was dented right after the game when the Avalanche won it. Yeah, they dropped it they, on the ice. They, well, the guy fell. And landed. Well, I mean, the players go and take it out after, right? Like every time, every team that's ever won it goes for the night out with the cup. The Canadians that thing is never it. surviving that without without any sort of you know damage. The Canadians dropped it off a bus during their parade. Liverpool dropped the Champions League trophy off a bus a couple of years ago. The Champions League trophy, I feel like this happens to a lot too because it's so big. Brady and Gronk threw the, the Lombardi trophy from a boat. Right. Oh man! Imagine if that had sunk to the bottom of like the bay. Gronk also bunted a baseball with the with the Lombardi Trophy, didn't he? <laughs> or maybe this happens more than we think it does yeah, with yeah. the filing trophies. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Have some instant trivia to get to. Pick of the week coming up. There's a milestone coming this weekend. I will be tuning in for. It's before the Super Bowl. I'll tell you what that is. That's coming up in the pick of the week. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um, uh, oh. this, is, this is live? Yeah. <laughs> We're not live. We're not live. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> uh, good luck to y'all. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a great person. <laughs> that is former Future Bills receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba mm-hmm. on Shane Waldron, his former offensive coordinator. Not a fan, I guess. <laughs> uh, is this live? <laughs> Great answer. Is this live? Is such a good answer. <laughs> it's, a, it's an unbelievable answer. Uh, good luck to the Bears, right? Because isn't that where Shane Waldron went as their new offensive coordinator? Yeah, that's why. That's why they're asking him. About oh, right, it. right, yeah. yeah. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. It's uh, beautiful outside. People will be on the golf course today. I have an invitation. I have a standing invitation to go play some golf. I also do, and I think I'm going to text 
my friend right now and tell him Saturday I'm going to be I'm going I'm coming. Well, I'm going. Today and tomorrow are the days. Saturday, mm, Saturday, Saturday looks tougher. This looks rainy. Could could see some pre, mm. some precipitation on Saturday. I don't know if I want the mud, the cold, and the rain. That doesn't sound very enjoyable. No. I do kind of want to do it though, just to say I golfed in February. Yeah, but is that ever a good idea to do something just because you you can then say you did it? I feel like that's fifty percent of doing things. Is just, yeah. <laughs> just to say that you did it. Yeah. Would you want to go to the moon if no one ever knew you did and you couldn't tell anybody? I'm like a space addict, so I yes, I, I might yet say yes, but I understand. I but understand. you wouldn't be able to talk about it with anybody. No, you're right. And do I? I but I have to know the whole time that I that I went because that's like a whole new type of torture if I have to keep it a secret. <laughs> no, you're right. I wouldn't want to go. I feel like keeping the secret is the harder part. Like it's not like oh, I did this amazing thing. It's man, I. Just can't tell anyone about it, no matter how amazing it is. Why does anybody go to anything that's, like, historic ever? Like, why would anybody go to Plymouth Rock? <laughs> so you could say, oh, yeah, I saw Plymouth Rock. It's just a rock. It's nothing special. That, by the way, always is on those lists of, like, you don't really need to do this. You're If you're going to do it, have same you, thing. You're have, doing it because you said you can say you've done it. Have you been there? I have not. Oh. I thought you were giving us a review. No. But I know people who have been there, and they're like, you don't need to go there. Meanwhile, everyone that says Vegas, the Super Bowl, of course, is in Vegas. Everyone says you you got to go to Vegas once. You've never been to Vegas? I have five you times. Have, you've been five times? Five times. Is it true, the thing that I've heard a few times this week from people on Radio Row, that the right amount of time to do Vegas is like 48 hours? I would say three days is about it. Like, you can't you can't just do a week there. No, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Is that just because you run out of gas? You don't get bored, do you? Or you might run out of money. You run out of everything. <laughs> you run out of the will to live. You, it, it, it sucks the life on, on the third day. Yeah. You're like, all right, we're going home today. And if you're going home the next day, you got to battle to get to that day to go home. Yeah. Because yes. here how you fly in, you land at, doesn't even matter what time. Let's say you land at 8 p.m. And even though you're coming from East Coast time, Joe, you land at 8 p.m., you, yeah. know, you know what you're doing? You're going out. And you're going to stay up late. It's going to be a yeah. night. Then you wake up morning one. All right, that was a good time. Let's go see what else we can do. You hit it again. Now you're on day three, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. to hit it hard twice, day three. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's probably my last day here. I, I'd like to be flying out tonight. Maybe one more day from that if you get a pool day in. Yep. But, yeah, lessons to learn in Vegas. Don't stay too long. And the other one is, and I heard Amy Lawrence talking about this on the show before us on Overnight, that – you think you can walk the whole strip because you can see the whole strip. Yeah. And it is a lot farther than you think it is. Yeah. And right now there's, I guess, so much construction and stuff going on with the Super Bowl and all new builds. You have to zigzag across the street and it adds almost double the distance. So how far you're walking, you're actually walking double right now. It's Vegas. four. It's 4.2 miles long. The strip? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if your hotel was like... You think it's a... Th- Oh, look, at, we'll just be there in five minutes. And then you have a 20-minute walk that right. you think is going to be five minutes. And then if you're going back to where you were, then it's that's, that's going to end up being like an hour walking. Yeah, it's a lot. Huh. It can be a lot. 803-0550, Vegas hosting the uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers. Had the stat earlier today. I just I love pointing it out. And I want to actually dig into it a little more. That in the last 25 years of Super Bowl MVPs, there have been 
three linebackers and one running back. Mm -hmm. And it's not even one of those scenarios, Joe, where I cherry-picked it and went back far enough to find another linebacker. Mm -hmm. I had to go back 25 years to find the running back. So Mm -hmm. three linebackers have won it since the last running back. And it kind of, I just still think it's amazing. You want to talk about the position being devalued. Yeah. You could talk about that in the draft or in, as we're arguing every year about, should Saquon Barkley get the franchise tag? It has been 25 years since that position has won Super Bowl MVP. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk the value conversation, I saw a chart uh, on the salaries that the leading rusher in each Super Bowl has made in the last 15 years. And going back to going all the way back to when the Saints won in 2009, two million bucks. Leonard Fournette with Tampa. That was the most a running back, a leading rusher in the Super Bowl for the winning team. Like Legarrette Blunt is in there four times. As a leading rusher on like a vet minimum contract, it's going to be just, a lot. You of... don't you don't get these high. McCaffrey would be unique for this, making sixteen million or whatever he is this year. For him to win it, I mean, he would. Ob- I I bet you. Actually, this might be true. The, I could probably figure this out on the chart of these running backs that have made nothing in the last fifteen years, winning the Super Bowl. McCaffrey might make more than all of them combined. Yeah. I am rooting for the Niners because of, A, hating the Chiefs, B, Kyle Shanahan. I also feel like there's a part of me that's probably rooting for McCaffrey here. Not because I'm ready for the running back position to have any sort of resurgence or like deal with you know, arguing about the value, but mm-hmm. he's a Hall of Famer. And if he wins the Super Bowl or wins the MVP, it's a slam dunk for him. He's, he's been one of the best players in the league since he showed up. And he got traded to a good team. Yeah. And... He slotted right in and took them to another level, and yeah, I, I, and he'll I, have done something that all of his all of his counterparts, like the other elite running backs in the league, have not even really come close to right. doing. Which it, would be you're the focal point, or you're a main piece of the offense that wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, it'd be nice. I think it'd be nice as a story for McCaffrey. It makes me wonder about a question that I've asked myself before, which is if the best running back of all time was in the league today, would we even know it? because of the way the position is treated and the way that it's used? Like, could McCaffrey be no. the best running back of all time? We just don't know it because he plays in the year he plays in the year 2017 to 2023. It's just it's the way it is. There is no doing better for today's game than what Christian McCaffrey's done right. in the last six if, years. If, if you asked 100 football fans right now... No who, one would say it. No. Who do you think the best running back of all time is? No one would it say would McCaffrey, right? It would be Barry Sanders. You'd get some Walter Payton. Jim Brown. You, sure, you'd... And then ask, how likely is it that you ever change your mind on that? Oh, zero. It's, Never. It's, right, it's super unlikely. Yeah. Whereas best quarterback, that is up for debate and yep. constantly moving. Best receiver, constantly moving. Best, tight, tight end is like, sure. you, had, you went from, you've had like changes in the last three years. Defense, from whoever to Gronk, then to Kelsey. You might think that Bruce is the best defensive end of all time, but... You have guys that put up numbers on the level for him. Yeah, I'm not going to say they're going to catch him all all time, but every other position is constantly tested for the all time greats. And right, you make the point. The what are the chances that in 20 years, the person we think is the best all time running back has played within those last 20 years? The position is just different. Yeah, it'll and, never it'll never return to what it once was. I don't think unless you get a stark change. 
of like rules or something that allows running back to like reinsert itself as value. Two words. Bijan Robinson. <laughs> Let's well, now that go. he's got a new coach. That's right. He's got a new coach That's now. That's right. We're back on the Bijan train. Let's go. Yeah. We were robbed of the real Bijan. We're about to see it this year with uh whoever. We did get some like uh we got some flashes. Like there was that one highlight from like the drone above above him. Yep. Where he's like making guys miss along the way. Pick of the week, when we get back, a milestone coming up this weekend. An all time mark likely to be hit. It's my pick of the week. We'll get to that. Trevor Sycama, nine thirty on uh, his latest mock draft. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Caitlin Clark from the logo! What can Caitlin Clark do? Joe tracking history. Caitlin Clark. It's Caitlin Clark season. You know, as we get to college basketball. Yes. So Iowa plays Penn State tonight. Mm-hmm. The Iowa women's basketball team. Caitlin Clark is 66 points away from the all being the all-time leading women's basketball scorer. 66 points away. I don't think she'll score 66 tonight, but you cannot rule that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she doesn't do it tonight, she averages, the, the tracking of it is, she's likely to become the all-time leading scorer Sunday, 1 o'clock. They have a game against Nebraska on Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. But she continues to be... You know, a unbelievable player to watch. She is must-see every time. Like, anytime I have a night where I'm just going to throw something on in the background or there's no, you know, I think the Sabres have done this to me a little bit too. We're like, okay, so like light, lightning and blues are on <laughs> and like TNT. And like oh. normally I'd be like into that, but just so deflated with hockey. Like, oh, Caitlin Clark's on? No, I'm going to th- throw that on instead. Yeah, let me paint the picture. 2 nothing, bad guys. Five minutes into the first period. Oh, all right. I'll, yeah. I'll see what I can find. I'm trying to find. There was an amazing stat the other day on Caitlin Clark on how she has scored more points this season. Or she has more. Oh, here it is. More 40-point games in 2020. Since 2020, 40-point games. Iowa football, four. Caitlin <laughs> Clark, ten. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. Yep. And she's probably going to stay in college, I guess, for as long as she is. She senior this year. I don't even know that whether whether she is or not because she because of NIL. Here you go. This is the value of it. She makes more money playing college basketball at Iowa than she would in the WNBA. The thing that will always get me that I just love is, I mean, I'm a sucker for this. You know, sometimes you're a sucker for alley oops, dunks, whatever. Yeah. When I'm watching. Caitlin Clark or any, oh. anybody. It's the range. Yes, it's for the, sure. I, I am I am incapable of staying quiet when it, Steph Curry does this. Yeah. When he pulls up from three steps inside half court and hits. I'm, I, every time. Oh, go, my God. Yeah. And she does that routinely. She did it in Maryland last week. So, Caitlin Clark looking to be the number one women's scorer of all time. And uh, that'll be Sunday. Tickets for that game. It's funny. You can tell on the secondary market how much tickets cost. You could go see a game that she's going to play tonight and get in a reasonable number. You want to try to see this game. It's at Nebraska where she's going to break the record. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Not getting in. 803 
When we get back, we have Super Bowl food-based trivia, which means, I mean, I think we can count on a food take from you coming out. You're going to tell us you are, you, your big tradition is to have Cobb salad in, at, at Listen, halftime. The Cobb salads are delicious. They're great. In fact, you know what? I'm going to have one for lunch today. All right. Cobb salad. What movie? Sounds gonna, perfect. What, what movie are you going to see? Uh, what movie am I going to see? I haven't been watching movies lately. I'm, into, I'm watching Chernobyl. We're not rewatching Chernobyl right now. A rewatch. HBO. Yeah. Josh, actually, you told me about a show that was coming out on Apple yeah. TV that, that maybe I should give a shot to. Masters of the Air. But I didn't see the. I didn't see Band of Brothers. So you, know, you, 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 you definitely don't have to. Oh, it's like that. It's not yes. like a. Okay. Yeah. I've been watching Masters of the Year. I watched the first episode and it it was really good. It's very good. I've seen a fir- the first two and I'm maybe mm-hmm. a little bit into number three. It, it is very good. I like it a lot. Yeah. What else is there out there? What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for like a big. Oh, I know what we're waiting for. I was going to say. Do you, what, do you want the answer to that question? Oh, for TV. We're, yeah. For TV? Never mind. Why? What's your answer? No, nothing. Nothing. It's not worth it. What? A57. What? Is it a Sabres thing? It's, yes. <laughs> Just not worth it. Right, well, I'll give you my answer. <laughs> we are six days away from Love is Blind Season 6. Oh, Let's here we go. go. Love is Blind Season 6. Are they going to try live again? I don't know. That didn't go well last time? Listen, it is a trashy reality show mm-hmm. that is actually good. It is an enjoyable... I don't think those two things can be it's, true. Uh, it's pro- well, it's not that trashy. I don't... I don't think. Season but it's one. good. Yes. Season six mm. on Valentine's Day. Of is co- it good even if you usually would not be into like dating shows like that? Or like, this is all fake. I, not into it. I think so. It's the only one that I actually watch. Yeah. I've made it through one season of The Bachelor in my life. You're saying it's better than that one season of The Bachelor that I saw? I think Probably. it is undoubtedly better than The Bachelor. Yes. Undoubtedly better. Yes. Hmm. You haven't sold me enough on it. I'm more <laughs> likely to watch the Patriots documentary than I am to oh, watch Love is Blind next week. Get out of here. Holy cow. I'm also, oh, you know what's coming? Oh, I got it real quick. Did you see what Jerry Seinfeld is put is about to put his name on? No. This guy, who is very careful and calculated about what he puts his name on, he did Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, finally, after Seinfeld, because like that took years. He liked that idea. He did B-Movie. Which is what it is. It's a kid's movie. It's the only movie he's ever done. Until now. Jerry Seinfeld, I think it's going to be on Netflix, is going to star in and make a movie about Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Are these are these talking? This is the are big they, are thing. They, are they talking Pop-Tarts? No, it's like about... The, it's like an it's like a Pop Tarts origin story, I guess. So it's not like a documentary, but it's like no, a, it's a movie. It's it's like he is playing a role of like about the people who started Pop Tarts. Melissa McCarthy is in it, I guess too. Like there are good actors in it, but this guy finally is like, okay, what was the idea that got him out of you know the bunker? To like put like oh they like what's the project you really would want to come back to do, Pop Tarts. I want to say that feels like him, but at the same time it doesn't. Like I don't know. I think it kind of. I guess it does kind of feel like him. It does. It depends on what role he's playing. I just don't think there's any way it's going to be good. 
in any way. That's coming out soon as well. So get ready. Get your Cobb salads ready for the Pop-Tarts movie. <laughs> All right. I'll see the Pop-Tarts. We'll go see it together. It's called Unfrosted. Unfrosted. Yeah. Get out of here. Unfrosted. <laughs> Unfrosted. The, the Pop-Tart, Pop-Tart story. The Pop-Tart story. Yeah. Can't wait. I don't know what it's going to be like, but wild idea. All right. All right. Speaking of Pop-Tarts, food-based trivia, Super Bowl stuff, you know, uh, what trophy would make the worst doorstop? It's been a day. <laughs> We're having ourselves a time yeah. in here. That and, of course, the MVP and the NFL Awards tonight. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. What advice would you give Brock Purdy this week? I would tell him, silence the noise and just do what he's been doing. I think we have to stop this narrative that I do not like Brock Purdy. That's not the case. I'm a fan of Brock Purdy, right? And what he's been able to do has been wowing from a fan as well as a person who's played this game. But I just call it how I see it. And I think what he's been able to do with getting guys the football has been something that we've seen a lot of people do, but not at this level. Cam Newton on Brock Purdy. It sounds like he calls him Brock Parody. I have a hot take. Hmm, did you do that on purpose? I, I have a hot take. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. Okay. You tell, me, you tell me how hot it is. It's uh, And then we'll get to Super Bowl food-based trivia, and we you know take a call if anybody wants to call in. Now... Joe, I say this. Good morning, Jeremy and Joe. It's beautiful outside. Although we got some clouds that have just rolled yeah. in. It's still fine. It's, it's, still suppo- it's supposed to kind of be over. It's February 8th. We got to take this. Yeah. Yeah. I say this fully understanding my role in the take industrial complex. I sit here and with the jobs to have takes. Yeah. However, it is now my belief, and maybe I can shoehorn this all the way into blaming Tom Brady for this. I might do it. All right. We are too far down the line on every single game being a legacy game. Way too far. Yeah. Every single minute of every single game is what to say about his legacy. Joe, what's on the screen right now? Uh, let's see. What would third Super Bowl ring mean for Patrick Mahomes? It would mean he has three Super Bowl rings. But earlier this week, is the question on the screen was, would it make him immortal? <laughs> it, that was, literally that was still the, the best one of the week Those words yeah. were on the screen Yeah, Yesterday And I'm not saying this to pick on any one person Because we all do this Yesterday when I asked you the innocent question about Hey, who Warren Sharp went to a hockey game and said Who's the football equivalent for Connor McDavid mm-hmm. And we turned it into Well, it's got to be somebody that hasn't won Because mm-hmm. legacy this And legacy that We live constantly instead of in moments about just enjoying a game hey there's a game who's going to win the game the entire lead up to the game i get one percent matchup stuff and 99 percent legacy mm-hmm. we're too far and it's tom, it's got to be tom brady's fault why not let's make it his fault i think actually can i can i blame brady it's a pie chart here brady's a chunk of it i think jordan and lebron are the two to blame for it Okay. Jordan and LeBron had made this a thing. Right. It became. For the last 20, 15 years. It beca- those two. It became a business model. Oh, to, yeah. To just talk about that. These debate shows exist because of the Jordan LeBron debate. Okay. I blame them more than I blame Brady. 
But I think Brady could be a part of it too. But it, it, that could be Brady Mahomes the next 15 years. As Brady's going to, you know, defend his honor while he's going to be on TV telling yeah, us yeah. during these Mahomes games and he's the best. But I want to say that even we also did it with Tiger and Jack, right? As Tiger chased Jack. Did we? Did See, I was a kid for a lot of that, so like I don't remember how the take field of it was. I just thought that was the there, best golfer that's ever existed. That's, that's the thing. Like With Tiger and Jack, I want to say we did it, we watched it, but it wasn't ever... Uh, maybe golf doesn't rile people up the well, same they, way. Because for Tiger, it was, he's going to catch Jack. Yes. Like, this is inevitable. He's the best we've ever seen. There's no debate. It's just a matter of time. And throughout Versus, it, it was a lot of enjoying it. Like, wow, can, right. you, can you believe it? We're here. Which I guess is what you want, right? Because now what are we getting? We're getting, will Mahomes ever catch Brady? Or will LeBron ever catch Jordan? Like, it's it's a real back and forth, not, you know, Tiger was, this is going to happen. Yeah. It's going to take unforeseen circumstances for it not to. So I get that. I think it's too far. I don't need it to be 99% to 1%. I want some of it. Some of it. Like for me, I became a LeBron fan when he back, went back to Cleveland. And I think the game, the, the non-Sabres slash Bills game that was my favorite game to watch of my entire life was Game 7 Warriors and Cavaliers. And I think, why is that true? I mean, the game was great. There were moments. But... I think I love that game so much because of what it meant for him and his legacy. You know? Like, I'm not going to make it all about that. I don't need to make it 99% of it to the 1% about what happened in the game and the matchup. But it should be a a part of it. I I will say this, though. The difference is, the the key difference is, in the NBA, that was game what? That was game seven. Seven. Yeah. If the NBA existed like the NFL, they lost game one. Done. Right. It's over. Your legacy's defined. Purdy and Mahomes are not going to play seven times to find out who's to find out who's better. Allen doesn't get seven cracks at Mahomes in the conference championship right. round. He keeps losing one game and also winning another game. Like the season series for the Bills and the Chiefs has been a split multiple times. It's about which one you lose. And football's different too because like you're not on the field at the same time as the guy that's across from you. Like yeah. you can you can yell at LeBron, "Well, go go stop Steph Curry. You're out there. Go go cover him. Go stop him." You can't tell Josh Allen to go stop Patrick Mahomes. You can't tell Mahomes to do the to his alternative. So, so I feel conflicted about it all because at the same time I'm going to be the person that sits here and says, when you tell me that Allen is close to Mahomes, I think he might be close day to day, but when we look at the resume, they're not close. So you kind of, I don't know, I get caught, I get stuck. Is everything legacy all the time? I think the answer tends to be yes. There you go. There's my hot take. That's that's the new me. That's the new sports media. I think legacy. A lot of it, not all of it. There's good. You can find the really good. I mean, even then, like. You know, ESPN, Fox Sports, most of it is this. Most of it is the legacy stuff. Once in a while, you'll get Dan Orlovsky or Mina Kimes breaking down plays, and it's usually pretty good. But it, but it's so, it's oh, it's so overwhelmed by the rest of it. Usually, yep. like you'll you'll get that maybe once a morning. You'll get that for five minutes a morning, and then you'll get three hours of, you know. And is Brock Purdy a game manager, a, game, with, 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 a franchise quarterback, if right. he wins on Sunday? And with Purdy, you can't do legacy, so you have to decide. Well, does this count as being good? 
<laughs> well, for him, it, it becomes, right, if he wins on Sunday, is he like a legitimate franchise quarterback? Because that's what's in question right now. Yeah. Will he be someone that they'll pay down the road? Right? Like, that. it's what it, it will, what it will mean if he wins more so than how does he win? What if he wins MVP? Wouldn't it be great? It'd be great. Why would it be great? Because Mahomes would lose. And if that Mah- would be great. And I'm I just want to let you know I'm ready. I'm ready with this tweet. Ready. Mahomes career win percentage 0.792. Career Super Bowl win percentage 0.5. Oh, Hashtag here we go. Mahomes is not clutch. Hashtag legacy. <laughs> right. I'm ready. I'm locked and loaded. Let's do it. All right, I'm ready for trivia. You want to do some trivia? All right, instant trivia brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Speaking of food, it's the number one food snack day of the year. Yeah. The Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. Top ten Super Bowl foods determined by searches this month. Can you give okay. me the top 10 most popular Super Bowl foods? Again, the way they went about this is how often it was searched. Okay. Nationwide in the last month. This is always kind of funny. It's like, how how often are people just writing into a Google search bar, pizza? I guess it does have to include Super Bowl. Well, no, maybe not. I guess not. These are the top 10 Super Bowl foods that have been searched. Yes. Recipes or just what people have at parties? It just says it? what people have at parties. Okay. Yeah. Pizza. Pizza's number one. Wings. Wings is number seven. Uh, sa- sub sandwiches. Deli sandwiches. Uh, no. No. Chicken wing dip. Chicken wing dip number four. Chili. How about chicken wing dip being above chicken wings? Chili's number two. Pizza one, chili two. Veggie platter. No. Not veggie platter. Thankfully, but you never know. Your, your party needs a veggie, veggie platter, though. No. You do have something that could be found on a veggie platter in this top ten list. Sour cream dip? No. Carrots? No. You probably would would not have. I mean, you could have it on the veggie platter. You probably would be more likely to do, you know, something else. Cantaloupe. Pretzels? <laughs> Cantaloupe. Chips? No. Doritos? No. What's on a veggie platter? Something that would be in the middle of the veggie. Uh, never mind. Forget I said that. Ranch. You're, no, but you're on the right track. It's the thing you would dip stuff in. But you're probably doing this. You're doing this with chips. You're not doing this with vegetables. Salsa. Nope. Close. It's not sour Kinda. cream. It's not sour cream. There's like only one other thing in French this. onion dip. Hummus. No. What else do people are v- dipping veggies in? Forget the veggie part. Forget the veggie part. You're in the same range, though, with salsa and sour cream. You just, you're like right there. It's a different color than those two. Okay. Those two are a different color. What color is it? But it's not white or red. Not cheese. So Not cheese. If you were creating a burrito, you would have all of those things you just mentioned on. There you go. Guacamole. Oh, okay. Guacamole. Number five. You're missing three, eight, nine, ten. You know, a good guac is, if we were to rank dips, yeah, a good guac is really good. Yeah. It's also pretty healthy. Dip draft. What's the number one pick on the board on dip draft? Uh, Chicken wing dip. I think it's got to be. 
Uh, sour cream and onion's pretty darn good. Chicken what? wing dip, though. Chicken Fre- wing French dip is onion? convenient. French onion dip? Sour cream and onion. Sour cream and onion? Oh, yeah, no, French onion buys in French onion. So, yeah, okay, okay. Chips. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Wait, are you doing sour cream no, onion so- chips in the French onion dip? No, sour cream and onion dip. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sour cream and onion dip. Do you not know that this exists? Um, I don't think I do. Yeah. It is French onion dip. Same thing. That's what I'm reading online. Okay. What foods are we missing? You're missing something that's similar to chili, but has got more of a New Orleans flair to it, I would say. Gumbo. No. Jambalaya. Jambalaya. You're missing a type of sandwich. That would be the most popular Super Bowl sandwich, I guess, if you're uh, if you're going by this. Roast beef? No. It has my name in it. Sloppy Joe's? Sloppy Joe's, number eight. There's no way more Sloppy Joe's are being served than deli platters. Apparently they are. Number nine, bruschetta. All right. I like a good bruschetta. Number ten, quesadillas. And number three, you're still missing, which is more of an appetizer, I would say. Than anything Pink else. And, and you definitely would not like them. Oh. I'm sure you would not deviled like them. Deviled eggs? Deviled eggs, number three. Not my country. Pizza, chili, deviled eggs. Get out of top here. Three. Not my country. Deviled What's eggs. wrong with deviled eggs? He doesn't like eggs. The idea that they... And deviled eggs are even worse. Third, I mean, they're not, three. They're, they're, you're adding stuff to, to kind of forget about the egg a little bit, aren't you? I've it's no, less eggy than if you were just to I, eat an egg. It's a hard-boiled egg. It's a hard-boiled egg, That's but you're the, replacing is, the yolk is, with, with like a... A hard-boiled egg is, what even is, it? is disgusting to start <laughs> with. People think I'm kidding. Yeah, but the, the yolk is pretty much gone out of the hard-boiled egg. It's like a yolk mixture. You get the little bit of, uh, is it the paprika on top? I guess you could do a little crumbly bacon, though, if I've seen that done. Um, yeah, what is, what is the filling, though? It's like... It's like, I think it's like... Egg yolk. Oh, the yolk mustard. is involved. I didn't even know this. The egg yolk is mixed together with mayo, mustard, and paprika. No. Uh, if, if you started to list, what would, would would you offer me the opportunity to play Augusta National? If I could get one of those down, I don't think I could do it. That's what, that's how you think. That's are how you sp- kidding? No, Augusta. I don't think that's I could. Aggressive. I don't think I could do it. You eat this hard, this deviled egg, you can play Augusta. Could you do one of the, because they're known for this, right? The Augusta egg salad sandwiches. No. That's the you. That's the deal. You get a year free Augusta rounds. Well, you get year, one, now I'm, I'm playing the Augusta You get a year, year of Augusta, but you got to get down the whole egg salad sandwich. How long do I have to get it down? You've got uh, a day? T- 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Yeah, you don't, you need a reasonable one, amount of time. You don't want that sandwich sitting out all day. That's 10 minutes. Worse. Yeah, you don't. You, you, the, the longer that's out, the less likely I think you are to finish it. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't like my chances of getting that down. Wow. And he's just completely out on deviled eggs. I'll, I mean, yes. I don't like eggs, period. Throw, I could throw, you got to throw chopped pickles in there, I guess, as, as well. I could get so through scrambled eggs if I needed to. I just don't like eggs. I try them, but hard-boiled, that kind of stuff? Yeah. I don't think I could do it. What else could you offer? I went for Augusta. I went bold right off the out of the gate. Yeah. How about uh, it's a last-place punishment? You either got to watch all of one of these, any Brady documentary that you choose from or one uh, deviled egg. Brady, twice. 
Brady twice. I'd watch, I'd watch it twice before yeah. I. Yeah. Yep. All right. No Super Bowl. No. No deviled eggs at any party Jeremy's going to on the, on Sunday. <laughs> I don't think we're going to a party. I'm just gonna sit home. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm gonna need a party for this game. I, I, I need. I, mean, I need people there maybe. to distract me. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll chime in with everybody on the street and see if you know we're gonna hang out or do something. I would. Can I mean, if it was a little bit nicer, you'd be able to do a, a little uh, patio watch, I'll, right? Definitely outside. Would love an outside Super Bowl. Yeah. What's the weather for Sunday? Sunday looks. Uh, you told me Saturday's supposed to be a little bit uh, rainy. Sunday's thirties. So. It's not prohibitive. It's fine. If the sun's out, you could do. You can make that work. Yeah. Trevor Sikama, when we return, we had him on a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and he mocked not a receiver to the Bills, and we told him we would bully him into doing it. Yeah. And the good news is bullying works in this case. <laughs> uh, I don't think he did it for us. But he does have a new mock draft out and has the Bills taking a receiver, which is always good news, and it's a good one. It's a good, good. one. 8030550 Trevor Sikama when we return here on WGR. We got one. Well, mock draft chatter. Trevor Sikama is going to join us from the Western Hotline. Trevor, lead analyst, lead draft analyst, Pro Football Focus. Jeremy and Joe with you on this mildly cloudy nice day here in Buffalo. Trevor, good morning. Morning, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, good to have you back. I, I joked as we went to break. We had you on about a month ago. You mocked something other than receiver to the Bills. We bullied <laughs> we bullied you a bit, and we're glad to see you know that uh, things have uh, fixed themselves. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, um, you know, as we get closer and closer to the draft, we will entertain other positions. But uh, for now, we're, we're we're happy to see it. Troy Franklin, a guy that we're going to have to get to know. So, um, whatever, if, how, however you feel about. The, the, the pool, the draft. Tell us about Troy Franklin. Yeah, I, look, Troy Franklin is a, a fantastic football player. You, you look at this past year in particular, he graded out so well for us in a lot of the areas that you would love to see Buffalo get a little bit better when it comes to those deep passes. You know, I know that Oregon's offense, people kind of look at Bo Dix and they say like, oh, you know, it's just shorter passes, it's screen passes, it's things like that. But there were a handful of times every single week where he'd look deep, he'd look intermediate, whether it was over the middle, whether it was to the sideline. And Troy Franklin was off the guy, often the guy who was on the receiving end of a lot of those passes. And so he's somebody who forces a lot of missed tackles after the catch, which is a metric that we love to identify to your to use to identify true playmakers in the passing game, guys that can separate themselves from just you know a, a good pass, kind of hitting him in the hands, doing something after it, that extracurricular, if you will. So. He is somebody that I think because of that, you can use him in a variety of different ways. So not only is he a confident, deep uh, catch player with, with good long speed and good vertical ability, but he's also somebody that you can get in the, involved in the offense in a lot of different ways. And so, Franklin, I feel like when we talk about some of the best receivers in this class, he is not talked about enough as that potential impact first-round wide receiver. So I think he'd be a great fit in Buffalo. I really do. Yeah, one thing I saw, Trevor, there's a million different things you could get out of receivers in this draft. And one, the, the buzz phrase I'm going to be looking at the most for the Bills is, has potential number one ability. Because, you know, some guys play slot. Some guys play the boundary. Some guys move everywhere. Some guys are vertical threats versus shorter, intermediate guys. Um, does Franklin have that to you, the potential number one ability in there somewhere? 
Yeah, I think he does because of kind of what I, what I had mentioned is is you get this like three layered ability from him. You know, I think he does a lot of work from the outside, like an outside lineman. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I can't remember too many opportunities where he was the true slot receiver. And so, I don't know, some people look at it, number one, as having a lot of that inside-out versatility and experience to them. Uh, but I kind of have faith that even if Franklin doesn't have a lot of experience in that area, that he would be able to do it. So because of, like I said, the playmaker that this guy is after the catch, uh, the kind of dynamic athlete that he becomes when the ball is in his hand when it comes to those forced missed tackles after the catch, the footwork in his releases to be able to gain that separation no matter what the defense is, whether it's close and press, whether he's got to eat up space on the outside. like This, to me, fills that definition that you have of – a potential number one type of a player. And he was that number one for Oregon. So it's not like we are projecting him into a higher volume role that he never experienced in college football. We saw that this past year, and the return on investment was high. So I do think that he has that kind of potential ability as a back-end, first-round kind of a wide receiver. Trevor Sikkim PFF on the Western Hotline. He and – I know I've seen you write about Keon Coleman in the Bills as well. Where – are the the early signs for where these guys are going to go like do you think are are we going to be talking about trading up in a couple of months for the names that we're talking about now as the draft process goes on and you usually will get your risers and your fallers no i don't i don't think so i think they're kind of they're in a sweet spot for these guys you know the wide receiver that i think might be next or one higher on the rankings or the tiers is is brian thomas jr from lsu i feel like there's a chance that okay, his average draft position or his projection could be a little bit higher than what the Bills might be comfortable with sitting at their spot and waiting. So I feel like if that's the receiver that they want, who I think also could be a fantastic fit for them, right? If he falls to their spot or maybe he's uh, just a couple of picks ahead of where they're at and available and they could pop up a little bit and go get him, he was fantastic for Jaden Daniels and LSU and that offense is, again, a vertical sideline type of receiver. He's got good length. He's got good speed. If you wanted to continue to push the ball deep down the field with Josh Allen's huge arm, which I know they're going to want to do no matter how the offense looks next year, he is somebody who you can absolutely do that for. But He's the one guy I think, you know, you might need to move up a little bit to go get him. But sitting where they're at, I think, you know, Troy Franklin, Keon Coleman, uh, A.D. Mitchell, Ladd McConkey, guys like this, I think you could all realistically believe that they would be available somewhere around where they're picking right now. So you were at the Senior Bowl all throughout last week, and we were, of course, keeping an eye on the receivers that were there. And I don't know that we had talked about him before the Senior Bowl began, but it seemed like once it began, Lad McConkey was the guy every day that we were, you know, reading about uh, and how well he played. Would you agree with the week that he had? Yeah, and look, I think McConkey had a – I think his best day was day one, which is great because you always want to make a great first impression when it comes to the senior bowl, especially if you're a wide receiver because you know that that probably means that you absolutely cooked people on the highlight clips that are getting shared around social media and all of that. And so he really did a good job doing that on day one. I don't think it was as consistently dominant on day two and day three, but he's just one of the best route runners in this class. He really is. I, you know, When I watched his tape, even going back to summer scouting – uh, I thought that I was going to see, just because of the body type and the usage alone, I, I thought that I was going to see a slot-only type of receiver, but one that was a really great route runner. And 
he proves to be more of that total package of a wide receiver, as you might expect. He's got really nice long speed. They use him on the outside, uh, not as much as they do on the inside, but plenty. And uh, he's got great blocking ability, too. Pound for pound, this guy will try to uh, try to help out as much as he possibly can in the run game. So you love that willingness from him as well. Uh, and so I do think that Lab McConkey is one of those top 50 type of wide receivers who, whether it's the back end of the first round or maybe it feels like more of a top of the second round type of a wide receiver, he could be a high volume guy in any sort of offense. Trevor Sigma from PFF lead draft analyst. The rest of the draft, you know, the storyline is, quarterback tackle receiver my favorite question to ask is how many defensive players go in the first round and is that number maybe the lowest it's been in boy I don't know I mean I'm not sure that number is like at the tip of your tongue but it seems like a very offensive heavy first draft first round draft yeah and you know I was just going through this exercise with somebody the other day we were going through a mock draft I was on the PFF NFL show with Sam and Steve and those guys and uh we got to pick 10 and the first defensive player didn't come off the board until we only had one. It was, it was pick number nine, actually. It wasn't pick number 10. So we had, we had eight selections start the draft on the offensive side of the ball. And Steve, as that was happening, was like, man, this has got to be pretty unprecedented. We just don't see this very often. But it, it makes sense for where the game is currently going, right? I, I mean, we just went through a head coach hiring cycle around the NFL where – offensive coordinators are the ones who are getting these interviews first and foremost and getting these head coaching jobs. And we've heard, you know, stories of even these defensive coordinators who are, who are um, interviewing for these jobs. Some teams are like, okay, give us your number one offensive coordinator option who you think you would bring in if you were hired as head coach. And then tell us who your number two is for if we have success next year and this guy gets poached. You're like, that's just the – desperation for good offenses that we're seeing in the NFL right now. So I think that uh, you're absolutely going to see a reflection of that in the NFL draft. Now, I will say this, you know, just because I think the top 10, the top 12 is going to be much more focused on offense than defense. There's a lot of really great corners. There's a lot of really great pass rushers uh, that I think will make their way into the first round as well. I think the areas that kind of, hold the defense back from really evening things out as the first round goes on is the safety class is not very good. I don't think we get a safety in the first round. Don't think we get a linebacker in the first round either. And probably only two interior defensive tackles. So even though there are going to be maybe five or six edge rushers to make it in the first round, maybe five corners as well, that's still much less than half of the first round because the rest of those positions aren't very strong. Man, that just running back too. I know I've heard is you know not looking like it's likely that a guy will go in the first round for that position too. We just keep checking names or positions off the list. Uh, I, the receiver class is so deep, Trevor. That I I don't know like where you hear once in a while like well there's so many receivers like go take your defensive lineman in round one. The Bills only have basically three under contract, and you can still get your receiver in round two. But man, I, that is just. It's, I guess I'm spooked because they tried to do that a couple years ago when Pickens went in front of them and Sky Moore and all those guys. Um, does it feel like this is a year, though, where you can wait till the end of round two if you think you can address something else in round one and still get an impact player to replace a Gabe Davis? 
Yeah, and, and, and that's the game of the draft, right? I think that that's the fun-slash-stressful part for a lot of these general managers is not only understanding the talent level that these players have is you're trying to predict, just like the rest of us are, what the rest of the league is going to be doing because in a vacuum and on paper, yes, that's what I would tell people. And I've done Buffalo Bills mock drafts before where I have had them taking maybe an offensive line player at some point in the year or a defensive lineman, like you mentioned, in the first round. And, you know, I'll have conversations with Bills fans who are like, man, we need a wide receiver so badly. And I say to them, yeah, but I can rattle off names of receivers that will be able to help them that you can get in round two and round three to fill that void. I can't really do that with edge rushers or um, offensive linemen or interior defensive linemen. Just a lot of the good ones just go in that first round because they're those premium trench positions. And so I'm not saying that, that a world cannot exist where you don't take a stud wide receiver in the first round and then you also find some good trench players a little bit later. But it just gets more and more risky yeah. when you move further away from that first round pick if you need someone along the trenches. And so it's just something to consider. And it's just part of why we do a lot of these exercises to say, okay, let's run some simulations to see what it looks like. If we were to pass on a wide receiver, are we happy with our total package of players that we're able to bring in? I, yeah. That, Trevor, that's my favorite point. Like once you make your pick at one to wait 32 more picks, basically, and to try and play that game, and especially with these two spots, like the Bills will be desperate at both spots. You will be, I mean, it's not, you know, rocket science, whatever. The, the entire league will know. Well, next time up on the board, we know what they want. So everybody knows that and can get in front of you. And you as the Bills might realize that if you make that D lineman pick at tw- 28 or wide receiver pick, that by the time you get to the second round, you're going to have to move. Because if it is scarce at defensive line or if the receiver you like might be gone all of a sudden you're you're kind of just building in a a higher price you're going to have to pay because you've got yourself in a desperate spot i agree yeah it's 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 and that again that again that is that is the part of the game where man we've seen gms on draft weekend uh you being able to play cool under pressure you talk about that for quarterbacks all the time you know they're great under pressure you know there's there's also i think a grade for general managers under pressure where uh you're you're on the clock and look a lot of these draft conversations and potential trades and what we're going to do here a lot of these scenarios are worked out before draft weekend even gets kicked off so you have a blueprint it's very rare that uh any of these gms or front offices have situations that that come up that they just straight up had no plan for uh but still it's very different in the moment you know when you're trying to make your team better and uh, let's face it, for Buffalo, it's a it's, it's, it's a little bit of extra pressure because where they are in their winning window, you know, they've got to nail these picks to make sure that they can continue to compete uh, while they have the roster that uh, says they can. Tampa Bay trade Trevor Sikama on the Western Outline. I saw on your NFL Stock Exchange podcast with you and Connor Rogers that you had multiple quarterbacks going in the teens even after the first three. How has that progressed in the last week with the Senior Bowl and whatnot? And also... Uh, do, do you have a thought on Spencer Rattler? Because I feel like he's a name that I'm starting to see pop up a little bit more and more in the last few weeks. Yeah, Spencer had a really good week. I, I thought, you know, when a lot of people came to Mobile, they were looking for Bo Nix or Michael Penix to really grab that QB1 title by the reins. You know, not not in the draft overall. I figure that's from Caleb Williams. But for that event, you know, we were looking for those guys to show up and, and just really – I have a great week of practice and, and showcase a lot of what people makes um, what what people believe makes those players first round worthy. And we saw that at times, 
But there was still that inconsistency from both of those guys. Nix was a little bit of a slow burn, didn't really start out the week very well. He just looked tight, looked nervous the first you know, couple of days, and then really warmed up. That day two had more good throws. Day three, I think he ended the week really strong and then had a strong showing in the game as well. Penix was just kind of up and down the entire week. But Spencer Rattler, I felt, was – more of a steady, good presence throughout the week, no matter who he was throwing to. Uh, he liked his favorite target, Xavier Leggett, for a little bit early on in the week as he was getting settled and his, uh, his feet wet, if you will. But I just felt, I just feel as though Rattler is somebody who I think is going to go day two in this draft. I really do. You know, whether it's somebody valuing him enough to take him on round, in, in round two, or I think it's more likely that he is a day, or sorry, a round three selection. His arm talent is still so good, and for people that have not kept tabs with him since he went from Oklahoma to South Carolina, it feels like he has matured. It feels like his game has matured, and he still has that high-end talent. And when people look at the stats and say, okay, well, why didn't he do more when he was at South Carolina then? <laughs> Their offensive line was bad. Their offensive line was one of the worst in the SEC, um, one of the worst in the country at times. So I think that was really holding it back more than his talent uh, and what he could bring to the table as a quarterback. So I thought that he had a good week. But getting back to your first question, I feel as though we're still going to get four or five quarterbacks in the first round. There's just a lot of teams that desperately need quarterback upgrades, and there's not a strong free agency field for them, right? I think you look at, okay, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, are those guys really the only solidified quarterbacks that are available? I, it sure doesn't sound like Baker Mayfield's getting out of Tampa. So with a lot of these teams that need quarterbacks, you know, Denver, Minnesota, uh, Las Vegas, you know, these teams right in the middle there that could use quarterback upgrades. You throw the Falcons in there as well. It doesn't seem like the Saints are going to be in on a quarterback. We know their fans talk about that. And so there's just more quarterback needy teams than it feels like there are free agent quarterbacks. So we've got to wait uh, till next month to, to see how that plays out. But to me, that still just spells these teams taking a chance on a Knicks, a J.J. McCarthy, maybe a Michael Penix uh, when it comes to the first round. So I still think we get four or five of these quarterbacks in there. Trevor, 30 seconds. Give us what happens on Sunday. I, you won't hear me bet against Mahomes. I mean, I thought you know, going into this postseason, I was like, okay, here we go. Here's the challenge. He's on the road uh, in Buffalo. He's on the road in Baltimore. Let's see what he's made of. And, well, oh, look at that. He's made of exactly what we've seen over the last couple of years. So 49ers, incredible team, but I'm not betting up against Mahomes. I think it's going to be lower scoring than people believe because of the defensive talent for the 49ers and Steve Spagnuolo uh, for the Chiefs. But ultimately, I think Kansas City wins it. All right. All right. Trevor, stick him up, Pro Football Focus. Trevor, thanks so much. Yeah, of course, guys. Anytime. All right. Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter and uh, Troy Franklin, one I like. In his mock, he does have the Chiefs trading up ahead of the Bills. For a receiver? Yes. That is not Troy Franklin? That's right. As long as they get one. I believe – I mean, I, I just closed it. Let me pull it back up. It was uh, – I believe it's Brian Thomas Jr. That's your guy. That's the guy I think is the best idea if the Bills can somehow get him to fall there. Although Troy Franklin's like right there on the level with me. Yeah. Yeah. I like it better than I like the Keon Coleman idea. But, you know, all these ideas are subject to change. Wide receiver draft ideas of the day. In his mock, wide receivers go early, but Adunze goes nine, and then no one goes until 26. Mm -hmm. It'll be important, I think, that... Like these two, these two teams, they always get compared. The, the Chiefs are in the Bills' way. They're both going to make big investments at receiver this offseason. Yep. And the Bills getting it right, more right than Kansas City does. Like that'll, 
I, I don't want to say it's a wash, but if Troy Franklin and Brian Thomas are on both teams and they're both great, then we're just kind of right back where we started with that specific matchup. But if they do something else or they don't hit on theirs and, you know, Troy Franklin's a bill and amazing, I mean, that's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to get ahead. Yeah, i got to get ahead of them in some spots. And they're going to be looking at the same position. Extendo Sports and then the Extra Point Show here on WGR. All right, wrapping things up here. Waste management open today. Yeah. It's been raining and hailing. Yeah, they're doing uh, preferred lies. We've got Kevin Price, PGATour.com, maybe tomorrow from the waste management. A little early to get up out there, but you nice. know, that's fine. Former WGR Morning Show intern, now covering right. the PGA Tour. They don't do daylight savings time in Arizona, so I don't know if that means anything, though, for right now. Like, they just don't do it. What time is it right now in Phoenix? Yeah. I think it's probably a three-hour difference. Jeremy's over here trying to trade for my draft picks in uh, our Dynasty League. You're going to miss out. FOMO, wide wide receiver FOMO in these Dynasty Leagues. Well, in that Dynasty League. In that one, at least. Yes, I have no picks. What'd you trade him for? I traded a second-round pick for Kyron Williams. Okay. Good. good. That's very yeah. good. And I traded a first uh, in a trade that I traded for Kyler Murray because I was desperate at quarterback. Then I traded Kyler Murray to you for Brock Purdy in a second. Yeah. And that went well. So you probably, though, traded, what pick is that? Like 10? 11? Yeah, like the 10th pick for. You probably traded a first-round wide receiver for a second-round wide receiver in Brock Purdy. It's probably what you ended up doing. Yes. So, like, Keon Coleman for... Or Xavier Worthy. For Xavier Worthy for Brock Purdy and uh, J- and Polk from yeah. Washington. Yeah. But again, not in a vacuum. My receivers are studs. Like that... Yeah. Uh, we didn't get a wide receiver of the day in. No, we'll do that tomorrow. We'll get another one. Uh, Darnell Mooney. Someone texted Oh, yeah, in. yeah. I've been meaning to get to Darnell Mooney as We can idea. do that uh, more so... Tomorrow, but perfect. That's that, that's a good one. That's that's because he's young. That's middle ground stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right. That's it for us. Back tomorrow for a football Friday ahead of the Super Bowl, of course. Cheers. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.